Anime is a vast and varied medium, and if you're not already familiar, it can be daunting to find something you might be interested in watching. This is a podcast where three average anime enjoyers introduce their uninitiated co-host to their favorite anime touchstones, so he can join them deep in the weeds. This week, we watched The Ancient Magus's Bride. The original manga is written and illustrated by Kore Yamazaki and began in 2013. In March this year, the series went on hiatus, but will resume serialization on Bushi Roadworks' Comic Growl manga website on December 21st. The anime series was produced by Wit Studio, who also produced Spy Family, and aired from October 2017 to March 2018. The series is about an orphan Japanese student named Chisei, who has been ostracized by her relatives in society due to her supernatural abilities and has experienced a traumatic youth. The story starts with her decision to be sold at magical auction, figuring that way she will have a new place to call home. At the auction in London, she is sold for five million pounds to Alias Ainsworth, a seven-foot-tall humanoid with an animal skull for a head. The Magus takes her on as his apprentice and intends to make her his bride. The series deals with a romantic slice-of-life storyline in the surreal and supernatural version of our world, based on pre-Christian folk tales and myths, mostly from the UK and Ireland. We watched episodes 1, 2, 3, and 7. Magus. Magus XLR. Uh, that would be a different show. All right. Yeah. Um... Hey, does this one have any any real intro you got for us, Chuck? Because, like, we started right from the beginning, and it kind of lays itself out. Yeah, um, so, I mean, I can give you my personal intro to how I experienced this, because this came through to me at a very interesting point in my life. I won't go into detail. Bob was kind of there for it. Um, but there was some things, and maybe a toxic relationship involved, and... I also was starting to go to therapy at this time when this was first airing. That was when I started actually going to therapy. I'd been there for maybe a few months by that point. And this show, oddly, at certain points during even this first season, matched up with some real-life experiences that were happening then and at certain points earlier in my life. So this resonated, like, at the time, very uncomfortably well, but also to the point it kind of made me feel seen. Mm -hmm. And and even divorcing from that, um, I found it a... We're just going to get one of the things out of the way. This is, like, in my opinion, shy of Ghibli, some of the best animation I've ever seen in an anime. Like, the magic is gorgeous, and I love it. The scenery is beautiful. I want to go to all of these places. I have never really been interested in the English countryside, but I am now. <laughs> and, and I love, I love the visuals. They're great. I love, and I'll admit, I'm a sucker for a found family story. So part of the reason I brought this here is like, I think each of us in our own way has had our own found family story. And 
this is this does one really good. It, it's also a lot of shows like to start off appearing real happy go lucky or everything's okay and then go to the dark. This starts dark and throughout the series, both the anime and the manga get shows you that, you know, maybe maybe it can be good. Maybe life can be better. You know, obviously you gotta put the work in, but it's there. And for someone going dealing with depression and anxiety, this really was like Kind of like that extra little message I needed at that time in my life. And watching it now, I still see that message. And in some ways, I won't say it doesn't apply to me, but I feel like, ah, yes, I've heard that. I've incorporated that. And that's really nice. And I see it as being good to pass along. I'll be honest, I've shared this with my brother, who... Who looks at anime like most people of his generation does? We're about 20 years apart. Um, but I showed this to him and even he kind of got that and he's, I know he suffers from depression as well. And yeah, I, he got uh, that positive as well. And that's why I wanted to share like, this is a beautiful story in my opinion. And while it has a good fan base, I still don't feel it gets a lot of the love it deserves. And this is honestly possibly my number one favorite anime for that. I gotta say, going in, I was really not expecting it to be, like, ultimately a story of, like, someone on a journey to, like, rediscover their self-worth or, you know, discover for the first time in some way. And that is really awesome. Uh, And the fact that you get, like, a magical creature of the week kind of set up around it, at least from, from what we saw that looks like what it is. Uh, that's really fun. Um, but there's a bunch of stuff also in there that I take issue with and it's kind of keeping me from enjoying it super a lot, but we'll get to it as I come off. Mm. Yeah. I'm you... not going to say, sorry, go ahead. Uh, actually this question is for you, Chuck. You oh. clearly have a, a special spot in your heart for this show. I do. Do you feel like you can divorce yourself from that love to look at it objectively with us? I believe so because I'll I'll be honest with you. Even fr- from get go, episode one, there are some problems. Seeing the product in full, I have the benefit of understanding. Ah, this is there for a reason. It's not there for typical anime slash manga reasons. But I, I am not above saying like, yeah, no, that are, mm, this didn't need to necessarily be this way at all. So yes, I feel I can. Okay, I'll save my other question in my head if I remember for the end. Okay, I have a suggestion, Bob. Why don't you type it out and that way you got it. So. Shh. Yeah, well, I'll <laughs> put it in the shared notes, and you can see the question there. To uh, oh no, I'm maintaining about the suspense. It. All right, well, while you're typing that, I'm going to slide the titles above us to bring us into episode one, April Showers Bring May Flowers. And like last week, Chuck, I think you should take the charge because this really is your baby, and I feel like if we have something we want to bring up, oh, no. we'll, we'll definitely uh, say hey. Okay. Actually, with this with this start, I feel like maybe one of those hay points. 
that's perfectly fine. Wasn't wasn't expecting that, but okay, here we go. So we open on a girl, and in my notes I put this in it. It looks flippantly when I put it there, but it's genuinely true. She's signing her life away, essentially. This is Chisei Hattori. She is putting herself up for auction at a underground magician's market. Well, to be fair, an alchemist's underground market uh, auction house. Um, and she's actually being treated well, for all things considered. It's not like she's being beaten or coerced into this. this. They make it very clear from the beginning. This is of her own volition. Which makes you wonder why someone would do this. And then they still put the the big yeah. um, collar irons. around her neck. Yeah, the irons. Yeah, it's... I won't justify it. I won't. Like, the closest thing I can come to of, like, why they did that is, like, ah, the visual metaphor to really drive home the, how not good this situation is. Which arguably, I, I would a... say... Go ahead. I was going to say I have a theory because I believe they know what she is, which I won't reveal oh, yeah. right now. But that they may be some sort of magical irons to subdue her. I wouldn't be surprised. It's honestly, to my recollection, because I am as caught up as one can be with the manga, it's never actually addressed. So after uh, Chisei is manacled, she is taken through uh, arguably the back room. The, the and I can't think of the proper word for this. If you'd asked me once upon a time, I would know it. I just referred to it as the menagerie. And you get this beautiful art first, wonderful use of color, because it doesn't feel necessarily good to be there, but it also does give that you know, that mystical feeling. Oh, Just yeah, that back room look. where they have everything that's going to be going up for auction. Yeah. So, and like, you see, like, for example, jars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you see some uh, wolfmen back there. Those are not werewolves. You will see werewolves later in the series. Uh, but like muzzled and everything. Uh, mystical creatures floating around. Some free. So you kind of get the impression maybe not everyone there is aware they are there, but Chisei sure as hell is. <laughs> um, and she's, you know, kind of commenting on, you know, wow, there's a lot here. <laughs> and while this is going on, we keep getting these little cutaways of mysterious face-not-shown character, like nothing above the shoulders shown, really, uh, walking through the streets of... Honestly, originally watching this, I thought those were, like, maybe in Germany or somewhere in continental Europe, but it's in England somewhere, and I can, I guess I can see that. I'm terribly yeah, not familiar with all the English I'm streets. pretty sure it's London. Yes, it's supposed to be London. I'm not familiar enough with their back alleys to say I recognized it as such. So that's why I put that little note there. <clears throat> but, um, and as our mysterious character walking the streets comes in, uh, there are people whispering about him. You get, you know, setting the tone of, ah, oh, this is an important character. Go figure. <laughs> um, so as he approaches the auction room or the auction house itself, the room proper, the, the bidding has begun on Chise. We haven't still been told why she's so valuable or what's so important about bidding on this particular child. And people are bidding on her, throwing real, real money out there. And then our un- unseen character, as it were, our unidentified character walks up to the auction stage, just real boss energy. 
let's be honest, he, no, no F's given as he just comes out there. Um, five, uh, like five million. Mine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Outbid's the room just cold. Did they ever explain where he gets his money? Um, it's actually sort of explained, not directly in one of our episodes, uh, that's coming up, but you you know how he's making medicine and teaching Chisei to make medicine? But I didn't think that he, they paid for it, that he just donated it. Not everyone does. Elias, Elias is a pragmatist, and that's the nicest way of putting it. Um, but Elias has also been around for a long time. Which At is, least three years. <laughs> no, he he casually drops a, a a number of a number a unit of measuring time, and I just I never caught it before. It's like, man, he just drops that like someone saying like two days or two weeks. Um, like a like a cat, <laughs> kind of. Um, but anyway, so Elias is taken to the back rooms, the, the private rooms, and. We oh, at this point too. I'm sorry. Cut back to the stage. We get the little fluttering of this red mask that's over his face, and we see it is clearly a wolf skull. But he also has some antlers coming out the back. Don't know why. Style yeah, he's like design. um, like ram horns. Yeah, they're they're. I'll be honest. I've looked high and low. They've never been explicitly stated what they are. Like specifically animal. I'm almost convinced sometimes. Like maybe they're wood. <laughs> <laughs> But that aside, um, and he has, you know, your empty skull filled with black void, but red eyes. And now this is a design choice I love. When he speaks, his mouth doesn't necessarily have to move. It's just him speaking. I will get this out of the way. This is not his natural form. I Somewhere in here... Uh... I've already got a few notes to catch up on when we're done with the auction, but like right around here is where I'm just like, oh, at some point it's going to take the skull off and he's going to be pretty, isn't he? Oh. So here's the thing. <laughs> I was worried about that. That's where Bob got the, in our preview into this episode from our last. I was really worried. Like, God, he's just going to take the head off and he's really a pretty guy. This is just like an intimidation tactic. No, no. That's his actual face. Oh, okay. You know yeah. what? That's a so good fact, I believe in one episode he has a pretty face, but that's the mask. Mm-hmm. It's a glamour. We'll come back to that. But that being said, so we go to the, the back rooms where everything's finalized, and we get this really interesting because, you know, at first blush, it really comes off wrong, and I'm still not going to defend how it's what it's done, but at the same time, you get an interesting kind of preview of Elias and who he is. Because Chisei is slouching. She is not in a good headspace, period. And he, yank, I won't even say yank, because it doesn't seem like it's that powerful, but kind of gives her chain a tug and says, no, stand up, eyes forward, look like you are someone that you are to be proud of yourself. Which is a really interesting instruction for someone who has been purchased and we're automatically assuming will be a slave. But also giving command to somebody off the bat is kind of to be expected of yes. somebody who was just bought. Right. And, and it's it's just those choice of words, though. I found that interesting. 
having never owned and never wanting to own a slave or tried to control someone in that manner, I don't expect that would be normal because usually I would think on a psychological level you'd want to keep them down to maintain that kind of relationship. But again, I'm not that person, so I don't know. Moving past that, though, we come to the point where Elias just tells him, okay, here's the money. He gets like a brow, oh, the minorest of brow beatings that they're trying to affect on him. It's like, you can't do what you just did. You got to respect the rules like everyone else. We don't care how powerful you are. It's like, okay. <laughs> and I love his energy. I really do. Okay. Uh, we're going to use your back room for or your lobby for a minute. And they say, sure. One of the junior uh, auctioneer that is with the senior one. The senior one will be important later in the series. Don't worry about it. Um, it says like, oh, what is he? Some kind of beast. Like, don't let you, don't let him hear you. He is like possibly one of, one of, if not the last mage out there. He will wreck you. <laughs> <laughs> and just it, paraphrasing grossly, but it, the way it's done, it sets the tone. Like Elias is not to be trifled with. Elias and Chisei finally are in the privacy of the lobby and he introduces himself. He he does also kind of call her puppy, which not kind of, kind of straight up. Well, yeah, yeah, that's like right. he, he does that. And sorry, I'm getting my words out of order. He calls her puppy, which is disturbing. He he's trying to affect a kind of gentleness. It's not. No, no, it's not. We, we will and come back to this later about yeah. what he's trying to do versus what he is doing. That's most of yes. my notes. And I, I figured that would be the issue, and I I see it, I hear it, and I will let you know that I see the problem, and I agree, it's a problem, <laughs> but again, I also understand, again, the whole narrative, why they do that, because maybe relationships change over time in a very short order, too. Short this is order real funny, this is real funny to listen to y'all say that, because, like, I'm on the opposite side of you <laughs> Interesting. Uh, well, I, I, I'm not sure how to interpret that, and I'm eager to hear this later. Yeah, I, I, think... I have I have genuine opinions as well. So I think at the end of episode one, instead of the end of the series, we'll have to have this discussion. Okay, yeah, that that sounds good. <laughs> so, um, like you said, he's trying to affect a gentleness, and when I say kind of like a kind of gentleness, obviously it's not that Be- by human. And again, I would say by human standards because. Spoiler, he is not human. He is very, I, he understands the academia of what things are, but not necessarily the actual application and emotional aspect of them or the psychological aspect. That being said, I'm not a justification, just an explanation. So anyway, he tells her, it's like, we're, we're essentially, we're bugging out and he casts a spell and again, beautiful magic bunch of thorns appear and then they are in the English countryside and I want to go to there. And they are at his home, which he tells her, this is now your home. You you are not to be my slave. You are my apprentice. I am here to give you a home and a life. Because uh, there's some problems with that statement. Hang on. So I, I got some things to say about the auction scenes before we move on from oh, that. But like very specifically, does he say you're not my slave? Because there's a lot of times when he is going like, I bought you. No, because he says a lot of times, I bought you to be my apprentice. He will say that episodes from now. I guess what I'm saying is, you are not to be my servant. You are to, I I purchased you to be my apprentice. Which is where I'm drawing the line. Yeah, which is different from a servant. Not necessarily a slave. Yeah, you are not to be servile. You are here. I bought you to 
pass along knowledge to oh. ensure mage mage kind goes forward. Um, and I'm paraphrasing. I'm not saying that's exactly. I'm just saying that's the a, attempted context of the character. So about this auction. Go on. I, I know we see a bit of it and it gets explained, but where do you go to sell yourself into human trafficking? And, oh, and uh, also, we got a, a glimpse of that actually in one of the later episodes we, of we do. how she found out about it. But also, I imagine she didn't sell herself because otherwise she would have gotten some money out of it. Actually, yes, she did get money out of it. Really? That comes up later this season. Okay, alright, you know what? At least that's explained, because I was just like, okay, she would either have the money, or it would immediately go into the possession of her new owner, or, but if it's like she sent it to somebody back home, like, okay. Even though the big thing is, like, yeah. she doesn't really have a family. Meh. Yeah, she she did something with it. Yeah, okay. Alright, yeah, alright, alright. She, right. she has monies now. She essentially sold herself and profited from it. <laughs> okay, alright. Which you is know okay. interesting, but, yeah. Um, you know, I'm I'm with you. I'm like, how did you come across this ability to just auction yourself away, child? You yeah. are a child. Um, but oh, I'll talk about that in a little bit too. Uh, second thing, we skipped over. Uh, while they're before they they teleport, uh, we kind mm-hmm. of first hear the term uh uh slebeggy. Yes, we did. I sorry. I I have. I have my notes. I don't have my breakdown of exact events this time because I was trying to be better than just have a bullet point of the episode. <laughs> no, that, that um, that's yes. fine. That's that's why it's in my notes. We're all good. Excellent. Uh, but so like, yeah, yeah, we get the magic. No pun intended. Magic two words. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but like, so like, there are other people in the back room who recognize that that's what she is. So you know, clearly mm-hmm. at this point, it's just like, oh, she is that, and whatever that is, that is why she was specifically like an oddity on sale. Um, mm-hmm. Joe, did yes, did you look or find if this is a phrase existing from? It is. It is. Okay. It is. It is a specifically a Manx Gaelic word for um, their word for uh, fairies in general. Um, that got used for this specific type of magus in this story. Um, but yeah, you'll find a lot of the creatures and the words and the stuff are actual things from folklore. So let me circle around to your question earlier. I believe it was Nick that asked me like what was what also kind of drew me to this, what kept me. When I heard Sly Beggy, I immediately like slay like i don't know santa's beggy mm-hmm. spelled beg with a y maybe an extra g and i found that and as i was watching this episode to episode and then eventually reading it chapter to chapter kind of like joe mentioned like, i discovered like oh these are all like things these are actual <laughs> things from mythology in this area this is cool oh oh you were just wrapping me up in this blanket comfort blanket of lore and tying it into reality in an interesting way or mythologies of this world of the real world and like oh i love it Mm. yeah see i got into this series because my brother recommended the manga to me um and so i read a lot of the manga and like i've grown up not immersed in but like you know hearing about like fairy stories and stuff like that from different cultures and so like i knowing some about 
like Irish folklore and stuff going into this. I was like, oh, okay, I'm I'm in. <laughs> yeah, this is oh this this really just scratched an itch I needed because this is not a shot at manga or anime in general because you know you go with what you know nine times out of ten. So you're getting a lot of in most manga and anime you're getting a lot of Japanese mythology. So to see it, see something from a different mythology portrayed and portrayed fairly well, I would say excellently, in my opinion, from another culture, not their own, tells me a lot about the creator of this and their interests. And I love that about them. I, uh, so when I first heard it, I started trying to do like the reverse puzzling of this, of like, this, this the translation of this another one of those like, reverse engineered borrowed words but like to to hear that it is like an existing word that they're using to to tie into actual um like mythology and and other cultural stuff that's that's really cool Mm -hmm. even though then a little bit later i realized oh they are doing this big thing where like like oh we're dealing with magic so we should be somewhere otherworldly and exotic like you know london and it just seemed (laughs) so funny to me that it's just like oh were they like you know, it's it's like, you know, if we're in the Western world, if we want something to seem, you know, uh, otherworldly, we're magic. Look at Doctor Strange. You go to, you know, mm-hmm. Tibet or whatever to meet the magical monks. Here it's like, no, we need magic. We go to – actually, it's – um, it hit me later when we meet the priest because the idea of that, like, ah, oh, what, is, <laughs> what is a more, you know – uh, exotic lands mysticism kind of person than a Catholic priest. And I just, I just started <laughs> giggling. When someone help me remember, when we get to Simon, there's there is a pain point because there are certain episodes I wanted to show you that gave the Fey opinion and view of Catholicism. Oh man. And it was so hard, like, part of the reason it took me so long to get our episodes is because I wanted to show you that so badly, so desperately. And I just, like, I couldn't justify it because I felt like that, it really was kind of like a downtime episode, and while I gave you some insight to the Fae world, it, I don't, wasn't sure it gave, like, enough of a hook and a draw, and it was such a 50-50 for me, I'm like, I, uh, do something else, In, focus on the major characters. That that so, would be fun to watch, though. I gotta admit. Oh, it's so good. Let, let me let me tell you this. I love I love mythology so much, and this this show just ticks that box box off so hard for me. But anyway, getting back to the sleigh bag. Did you have any more uh, about the auction house? Uh, no that that was that was all I had. Cool. Figure I'd try and rein us in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. So we're we're now at Elias's grounds in uh wet. West London countryside, and it's beautiful. And he has this lovely little cottage, and he just magically taps away the shackles uh, on Chise, which is, you know, a beautiful symbolism. But and again, there's kind of like ah, but there's still that shadow in the background, as it were, of you just purchased a child. Uh huh. Fifteen. Um, I would like to point that out now. She is fifteen years old in this show. Where does a? F- I mean, I get it. This was in 2018, 2017. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the internet. I'm sure you can find anything on the internet. You know, prove me wrong. So sure, she figured out a way. A fifteen year old can find a way to sell themselves online. That said, he you know makes this grand, very 
earnest gesture of, this is your home, you will be living here, you will be taken care of, and consider yourself my family. And then we get to probably the next most problematic part of this episode. Again, I understand it's the purpose of illustrating Elias is not human and doesn't understand certain concepts because of that. It is still uncomfortable. And that is he takes Chise and says, here, take a bath in this tub. Because his actions are very much like an old man to a child. Like a, when I say a child, I mean like a child, three or four years old maybe. Because of the way he's talking to her, of like, get in the bath. Do you know how to use this kind of bath? This is what you got to do. And Chise is demonstrably uncomfortable, definitively uncomfortable about this because she is 15. Oh. She understands privacy. Go I, on. I took him asking if she knew how to use it as like a, man, you are so dirty. You must have been homeless no. before this. Do you know how modern <laughs> conveniences work? Like, that's no, what no, I read it, that as. It's just a non-Japanese path. No, this this is very much... And and like I said, this goes a long way to paint Elias as... You don't know what he is until you really understand him. And I I can see, especially watching this the first time, I can see where you're coming from. Because I I was flip-flopping. It's like, does he mean, you know, do you know how to use this? Or is he like, are you, you know, just dirty all the time? What is this? Um... But she's uncomfortable because, you know, she's 15. She understands privacy and boundaries. Elias clearly doesn't. And again, not justifying what happens here, but I will say it does... It does a job of pointing out he is not human and Kate, at this point, understand our concepts. It's it's a very quick thing. Like, it's not lingered on in any sort of, like, lecherous for the viewer, like, point of view at all. Um... Yeah, this... Which also goes to, like, it's... convey that it's just, like, a very matter-of-fact, like, mm-hmm. I need to give you a bath. The show is attitude. not creepy about it. Right. Yeah, I genuinely yeah. Don't, didn't take this as that part offensive. I have met some people that did, and that's why I wanted to get it out in front of them, because I get why people could be upset by that. But no, I can as, see... As far as anime goes, this is tame. This is classy. Oh, absolutely. I 100% agree but again, I, you know, I'm not going to dismiss the other concerns that I have heard from others in the past when directing and showing them this. I will say, again, retrospectively looking at it and seeing it kind of go to their – what's used typically for non-serious animation moments in that was kind of like, mm, a little disappointing, but I get why you did it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, you're not focusing on TNA while this child struggles to maintain her privacy. And he is absolutely not being a lech about it. So, but then once she's in the bath, she kind of starts to, I'm reluctant to use the word relax, but take stock, I guess, of the world. And we get some uh, trauma flashbacks, is the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. Get ready for and a lot of that. Yeah. Chise has had some trauma. We get the first implications that her mother may have taken her life. And yes, she did. Um, and Chise has been passed around by family members and other persons to take care of her. And it will be spelled out later, but because of her nature as a slave Maggie, fey creatures, spirit creatures have been drawn to her, good for good or ill. And this has caused problems. And then we also get to meet 
some of the most purely innocent creatures ever, the aerials. Oh, they're great. Nothing wrong there. The, yeah. If you know anything <laughs> about fey myths and folklore, you know that to be not true. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. They they love Chise. They love their little Robin. Chise means Robin. Uh, and they they're there for her. And they're they're not exactly the fond of the Thorn Mage. But you know, he, he's like, you should be with us. You should play with us. We're here for you. And eventually Chise, you know, removes herself from the tub, comes downstairs. And Elias kind of gives her the exposition prime on Slaybeggy that they are very rare. Um, I kind of like his analogy of them being like the queen bee and all other fae are the worker bees, but that's not exactly accurate to what's being portrayed here. It's more that the other fae and spirits so far are so eager to come to her because she is this essentially center of concentrated magic. There was something about the way that, like, as he's explaining this, and it's just like, oh, yeah, no, the magical creatures are drawn to you for good or for (laughs) bad, and I'm just like, oh, okay, so she is just like, in the world of the show, she is a bad luck charm, is is kind of... She is a magnet. I wouldn't call her bad luck. She is a magnet. But, I mean, like, we know, you know, we just had that big flashback to so much trauma, and it started with, oh, she clearly had enough trauma that she would rather be in slavery than whatever life she did have. It's just like, oh, okay, you you have clearly had more bad luck occur to you than good luck in this case. Oh, yeah. But but it was very, um, like, even if she's a bad luck charm, that still makes her special. And it was so (laughs) very young adult heroine novel of the show to do to, to my read. And, and I agree with you, but I will also say, isn't it interesting that either, you know, your typical young adult hero will take that as, Oh, this is really cool. or oh, this is really bad. She's very monotone about it. Uh, in like shown and stuff. Refreshing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah. like that, like, you know, we'll get to that in one of our shows in the next tier, but um, like that is, you know, that that is actually kind of a, a conceit about shonen shows, is that everybody is ganky as hell. Hey, is it time for a vocab on ganky? Do it. <laughs> ganky is what she say isn't. Yeah, so ganky uh, means lunch. Um, But, like, I'm not wrong, right? I'm remembering that correctly? No, Goku. Cool. Oh, that's Goku. Goku is lunch. Genki does not mean cool. Genki means good in the sense of like good health, health oh, that's right. full, yeah. healthful, and like vibrant. So, like any characters who are particularly like you know bouncy or bubbly or just like irritatingly uh, upbeat and active all the time. They are... Yes, they. Yeah, she's pretty. Uh, no, she can be really um sort of pensive she's at sweet. times. But like a, a oh, who's a good a Deku or Naruto? Kamino was kind of ganky. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it it's like when you're ganky as hell, you're just like really upbeat. Let's go, always forward, never thinking. Um, why never that, say die. Why did I bring up ganky? Because we use that. Uh, we said that she say wasn't right. Um. Uh, uh, talking about, like, usual protags for, for this sort of, like, age level, 
like we see that a lot of in a lot of shonen shows, and this show is absolutely not shonen. Like like that is being that sort of ganky is like a prerequisite to being a shonen uh protagonist. Um, so I would say it's fairly common for shoujo as well. I would tend to agree. Right, but and and so so that's the thing. Like like yes, we don't always see them, but like it, it is especially in like you know anime and manga genres it is just like oh we are not trying to be a shonen so it's not that much of a surprise that they're not like there's there's you know they they are writing for a different audience at that point and it's just like yeah okay it makes sense to me and that that was also another draw of this like this show handles itself very much closer to like a seinen in the sense of like everything's handled fairly maturely here yeah i appreciated that especially for a show about magic but that makes sense. Genki. Yes, I will admit I got I always get Genki and Kudere mix up. That's that's Wait, the cool. Do, no, don't don't nope. Nope, that's all. I'm not going to do that one. Yep, that's the lesson for another day. Yep. But anyway, we move on. Oh, uh, while we could do while, a, uh, a summer school season where we just go over all the different dairy types. So I'm pulling out Tenchi. Got it. Uh huh. Anyway, while while Elias is explaining this to her, yes, we see a couple magical creatures pop up. The first, I, I'll be honest, I don't know the name for them because they're never addressed directly. I'm just going to call them salamanders. The little four-legged kind of look like lizard things popping up. And they are adorable, and I love them, and I will fight to the last to keep them safe. <laughs> that being said, um, Elias also gives her this adder stone, which is supposed to keep her safe. Uh and that's all it's supposed to do, clearly. And he does tell Chise at this point, again, interesting dichotomy of what's being said versus what's being said. He says, you don't have to necessarily become a mage. So I'm free to go? Well, I did pay a lot of money for you. Mm-hmm. So so you may choose not to be a mage, but there are other magical things you can learn to do. And it's, again, driving home the point. He... Elias, can we can we get a sound queued up, a line from um, Princess Bride? I don't think that word means what you think it means. Because <laughs> I honestly, it occurred to me like, yeah, Elias, that really just applies to a lot of Elias very early on in the series. Well, um, it's, it's around now that he has a line that's just like, you're just like family to me, puppy. And I'm just like, hmm, right. you don't, hmm, are you, I mean, mm, I, are you I sure? Call my dog family. I mean, so would I, Some but of like... Our... Some of our listeners may notice a similarity between how Elias is portrayed and some of the things that autistic people find themselves uh, behaving as they interact with the world around them. Um, like a lot of understanding that in certain situations you use certain words, you use certain gestures but you don't understand really why you just understand that these are the steps or the words you use. Um, and I mean, also, uh, one of the reasons I, of course, uh, like this series a lot is because of all the fairy stuff. Um, and I have found that a lot of autistic people I know are kind of drawn to, um, like Celtic fairy tales and stuff like that, because, the fairy world operates in such a way that 
like makes sense to us um and like a lot of like stories about like changeling children and stuff were probably because of like autistic children or children that like you know didn't behave quote unquote right um so like i i identify very strongly with elias and i understand a lot of where he's coming from in most of these scenes yeah that that was actually going to be one of my super big notes that i was going to wait for a later <laughs> breakdown but like um you know Elias is absolutely, like, far more, like, autism-coded than a lot of the other autism-coded arguments I've tried to make over the course of our yeah. series. But that's the thing. It's not even autism-coded. It's just other-coded. It's just being a fey creature is like that. Like, it just, there's a big overlap in the Venn diagram. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up, Joe, because honestly, in going back and rewatching this and having in the years since watching this and in, in between then and now and encountering people and becoming friends with persons on the autism spectrum, I genuinely wondered about everything you just described there because we, throughout this series, we see the Fae, they, they operate in a way that is very much definitively designed as different and observing and listening to descriptions of autism and how certain actions or mindsets or interactions in general with the world are. I genuinely wondered if that may have been where in a mytho historical fashion, where the idea of like the Fae came from. Yeah, I've seen paper, some, like, writing about it and stuff, like, um, it's definitely, like, a theory, or at least a very, like, again, like, an overlap of just, like, you know, people going, oh, my, my kid got, you know, replaced by a changeling child, mm -hmm. because it doesn't cry, and it just, like, you know, has these big eyes that, like, just look at us, it's like, oh, your kid, your kid's autistic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then one day they stopped giving eye contact, what's that about? Uh -huh. <laughs> And I thank you for including that that discussion in here because, like I said, I was genuinely wondering it. And of our members here, I was hoping you would be the one to bring it up because mm -hmm. I thought it was a discussion worth having. Yeah, and you'll find that uh, a lot of characters that autistic people, myself especially included, um, a lot of characters that we relate to and connect to in, in shows are characters that are either robots or... Uh, like fey creatures or just some sort of like other monster type creature, especially if they're in the position where they have to learn how to human. We find that very relatable. <laughs> Let's can we talk about Ruri from Martian Successor again? <laughs> Let me and we'll we'll circle back to what you just said here at the end because we're going to talk about why this another point of why this resonated for me. But I want to get through this first. Yeah. <laughs> So we now have Elias having given Chisei the Adderstone. Chisei is given a room that she can sleep in. It's a very nice room. And she goes to sleep. And we get, again, just this gorgeous animation throughout this whole thing. And we get this tapping at the window. And the aerials are back. And they say, hey, why don't you come out and play with us? Come on, come play, come play. Because, you know... As Joe has so eloquently pointed out multiple times at this point, 
the Fae are nothing if not earnest. And there's nothing else going on there whatsoever. She's it's getting just Captain play. Nemo. Little Nemo, Captain Nemo. Which one? Uh, I, in my notes, I put it. Does in she have a submarine? <laughs> my notes say Grand Theft Chise. I think it implies. <laughs> um, and so she she's taken in the woods, but as she's leaving, Elias sees us and even outwardly comments like, "Ah, well, here's a lesson to be learned. I guess I should have told her more." In, indicating a lot about, again, we're getting a lot of, like, subtle nods, of, subtle and not subtle nods of, like, Elias, again, not human, not necessarily understanding even his role in all of this, as one would expect. <clears throat> so eventually, in the forest, the Aerials say, yeah, we're, we're taking you with us. You are <laughs> coming to the Fey Realm. Welcome to your new digs. And they, and they really nag on Chise. It's like, no one cares about you. No one likes you. And she's hearing this and, again, kind of, again, borrowing from myth and seeing it incorporated without being the the perfect show don't tell, to, to sum it up. Grabs her arm, digs in, and said, no, I, I have someone who, yes, bought me. Yes, has essentially <laughs> called me puppy. And... But they've also shown me more kindness than anyone else has. They've called me family. You know, insert Vin Diesel here. Mm -hmm. And they are taking care of me unlike anyone has to this point in my 15 years of life. I'm going back. And then Elias appears. Because of course he did. Because that Adderstone has also got a tracking spell on it. Because... (sighs) To summarize it in the way I heard it in the modern parlance, yeah, why would I not, you know, get a GPS locator on something I just bought? Mm-hmm. Someone I just bought. But it also makes sense for Elias because there's obviously more going on here than what he's laying on because, you know, he's Faye. And he, and again, we, we get that puppy and man, does it stand out and thank God it goes away sooner rather than later. Um, but that all being said, they keep referring to him as the Thorn Mage. We'll get to that in one of the later episodes that we watched. Um, but the area, the aerials eventually team rocket themselves and they're blasting off again. And Elias has a moment. Like, yeah, I guess I should have told you about that. And again, it's that very mechanical, almost like, yeah, I guess this is information you should have had, but now you know. And knowing is half the G.I. Joe. It's extremely, so. Elias here, and I guess for a while to come, is very much what I think of when I think of, like, a computer programmer trying to think about what they should put into their documentation. It's just like, yeah, mm, well, I should put down anything they don't know. But if I think about the things I don't know, there's really nothing to put down there. So I guess I just put my intro paragraph and an outro. Listen, mm-hmm. I'm just as guilty and I have nothing to do with computers like that. It, for, for being as inhuman as he is, that's actually incredibly human of him. But that being said, he, you know, says, okay, so this is, you know, now you know this is kind of their dig. And he picks Chisei up to take her back. He says, you know, it's the forest. It's at night. You don't have dark vision. <laughs> I have that. Uh, I'm going to take you home because you could get lost. And on the way back, he mentions to her very casually, like, hey, by the way, we should get that arm of yours taken care of because – I can't have my bride bearing such car or my wife bearing such scars. Oh, by the way, I intend obviously not this casually because she's a like, wait, what? Pretty casually. 
yeah, he, he drops it, uh, well, not, uh, maybe not as dismissively as I put it. Maybe that's a better word. Uh, but yeah, he very, he very just casually, matter of factly says that. And he says, oh yes, I, I hope to one day make you my bride. And she say appropriately as the episode and just kind of slack John like, wait, what? <laughs> and that's episode one. <laughs> All right. Who wants to start? <laughs> Nick, I feel like you're champing at the bit. So I'm, I, I'm inclined to let you. I've got so much, but I don't want to steal anything from other people in case Fair. there's overlap. I, I will sneak in because it's not too deep. It's more observational. Go on. Uh, a lot of what you observed in this first episode, as you mm. described it, uh, I would say you're 50% the episode and 50% your feelings of the episode. I mean, Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. But I would say that's no different than any of the other shows. Oh, I no, I know. And, and because it's such a passion for you, uh, for mm. me, the way I infer, uh, oh, the ancient mages are Thorn wizard himself, mm. is more... He is there. He exists. Mm-hmm. In, in, in not a bad way. And it's not to insult him. But the feeling I get with this episode is he, it is property right now. Is uh, And by the way, I'm pretty sure because I watched the subbed, uh, her name's just breaking glass. Uh, but, um, not to say that there's anything wrong with that. Just watching the episode as it is, at no point was I under the illusion that he's a human. Good, good. I'm glad. But uh, I, because of that, I didn't give him any outs. I didn't try to apply emotions to him. Uh, it was. It's almost like, okay, this is a strong and powerful thing that I'm going to purchase. I'm going to train it to be. Uh, at this point, all I know is apprentice mm-hmm. uh, to learn my ways. Uh, the bride thing I didn't get once again. That's the hook for the next episode. So it's like, oh, okay, I guess that's an option too. But I wasn't under any illusion that he was evil or bad. I guess, regardless of the way he looks, which I I know the show is trying to push a certain direction. I never felt. A, he was, uh, by the end of the episode, that he was going to be this horrible thing. Uh, but I also didn't think, oh, this dude did some magic and turned his head into a skull. Uh, and also, I don't understand. And I'll get to this in the end, but like, there was something niggling with me this entire first episode of he needs to be more emotive than, you know, robot girl. This is where I'm <laughs> actually suffering from, See, like, depression. Oh, no, uh, once again, once again, I, this is just the first episode I saw. I sure, get that she, sure. her mother committed suicide. We don't know at this point where her position was. We can infer, but we don't know for sure. Hmm. We just get these quick flashbacks of these things happen. So I just, she felt like Kristen Stewart in the Twilight series. Life is so bad, sparkly, sparkly vampire. What shall I do? Would, would it be of interest to you to learn, know something regarding that? Okay. I, 
Regarding Twilight? Yeah. Regarding, regarding Chisei's delivery. Regarding Chisei's delivery. And, and the monotone nature of it. As well as even Elias's. I mean, that's just the depression. Well, no, no. no I and, mean, and, oh, God. No, I was just going to say it's... From the voice actor standpoint, they actually found this possibly one of the more challenging roles because their direction was, you know, here here is, again, depressed child, monotone, but you also also at some point have to emote to a, a degree, but you also have to keep it within these kind of boundaries because of the depressioning and uh, just everything. I'm not going to lie. Everything which you say, the lack of self-value and worth. So uh, what you're describing – but if Almost. she had a lack of, oh. if she had a lack of worth, she wouldn't have had that emotional response when he tried to give her a bath. I would argue, I wouldn't argue that. Because um, either she has some self worth in that particular situation, or she has none at all. I would argue because you do not know her circumstance and haven't been in in what is to be depicted how that can be different. And I would also... I understand that. And it's okay. hard for me at, at this point. I will say at this point, and then we'll move on with the episodes. Yeah. Uh, and... uh, that she, at this point, with what we know of her, it's mm-hmm. hard to understand her right now. This isn't a show that you can watch just one episode and have an right. opinion. No, and I, well, I was going to say, uh, so what you are saying makes absolute sense for, again, coming from one episode. Absolutely. I will not... I'm not going to argue that. Just, and unfortunately, I would say the the position of knowing a show and presenting this is it is hard to divor- divorce oneself from the knowledge of how things go and what is to come. So I must apologize for that. Yeah, I I, because... I, I did want to say that, like, I'm, I'm sure every like like your read, I guarantee that it is right. And when you say, you know, he is showing these lack of human knowledge things it is to sort of be like a a foreshadow for something else but the thing is is like when it comes to linear storytelling why did i have to qualify it it's like the things you learn later are there to recontextualize what you learn earlier but until but like the things that you have earlier are what they are they are something diff like they do not change because you get the recontextualization you have that context added so part of that is you know for us or i I guess just me and bob but like coming into this and seeing the seeing it without that context it doesn't inherently foreshadow or sort of work towards whatever that reveal and later recontextualization is going to be and so it, it, it is it, like, I, I trust that, that you know, I, I totally believe you are right, but it is very hard to see how we get here. And it's just like, oh, we were never going to make that connection. So it's like, it's like, we can take that on your word, but it's also like, boy, that's, you know, it, even if that's what they were trying to do with it, I don't necessarily mean, I don't necessarily think that that's what they succeeded in doing, whether we have the current, you know, context or not. And you're right. And again, I, I must apologize because yeah, that the burden of foreknowledge, and that's part of the reason I wasn't prepared to navigate this for this podcast is I didn't, I didn't expect to because of that knowledge. I know what's to come and arguably have a compulsion to say, here's, here's the piece, but here's the puzzle. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, hey, when I, I apologize for that. I mean, if anything, that 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 is a a that is you know a form of praise for the show, right? That is like the mm-hmm. the the final puzzle when you see it completed is so good that it has made you excited for it and eager about it, and that is great. Um, but you know, it is that <laughs> it is the thing about like you know watching the show is better than having your friend explain the show to you. <laughs> I guess. So let me. I guess the thing I was going to put a pin in. Okay. I'm going to pull that pin and here we go. Launch that grenade. I kind of related to Elias in the sense of, and I feel like this is proven by my own action. I get certain things. I get, you know, why we do certain things. Like uh, Bob will tell you, I don't care about spoilers. Spoilers don't matter to me. Very rarely has I, have I ever cared about a spoiler. And even then it's like, eh, that said, I, a lot of kind of like learning to human mm-hmm. with Elias would describe some of my, my twenties, I would arguably say, not just some of my twenties. It's like, okay, I got the job. I earned the paycheck. I do the thing. Now what? You know, like th- th- these other things should be happening, shouldn't they? And Elias's alienation from what I would call humanity by virtue of his nature is something I can't, I, I saw in myself. It's like, I, I get things. I'm not really good at them, <laughs> at the, the interaction. I, to this date, I have not been diagnosed autistic. I'm seriously, especially after watching this, considering getting that done because I, I can know a thing and then to, but the, you know, say the actual practice of it can be completely wildly different from, for myself. Sure. And, and so when we're discussing what we were discussing just now, it's like, I see that nature and that instinct. So it's like, I, it's hard for me not to discuss the puzzle because like, well, there's a piece. So surely you want to know the puzzle. What was the, um, oh, Joe, what's the Hannah Gasby line about everyone who ever came up to her after the show? to tell her that they think she's autistic were probably also autistic because that's just the way that they roll. It's just like, ah, I have a piece yeah, of information. I have this piece of information that you seem mm. to not have. Yeah. Let me give and it to I you. I am very compelled with that. Um, so, yeah, like, like you know, nothing you have to apologize for, I would say, but but it is... Um, Honestly, I'm I'm going to go ahead and sort of re-put a pin because, like, yes, I absolutely also empathize with uh, Elias as well uh, in terms of, you know, being autistic or at least coded or whatever. Um, but I have some, like, I have a little bit of unbelievability with that, which isn't explained by being a monster or something else. Like, for, for as much as it's realistic, I, I have some some issues with it, but um, I want to save that for, like, final thoughts. I'm very interested in that. But that being said, um, so I guess we, we've had Bob, and we've we've had some of Nick, Joe? I mean, I have I think I've said everything about this episode that I okay. had. What did every... I have a genuine question. What did everyone think about, say... The animation and the magic. I'm very. That's something I've been very curious about. At least just for this episode. With that one, I'm saving for final thoughts because it's okay. kind of a, a generalized. Sure. Okay. 
well, then I can move past that. Unless anyone has anything else for this, I'm prepared to move on to the next. Uh, okay, well, this is where it is in my notes. So uh, now we get to... Normally we play the game, how old do we think the main character is? But we have established she's 15. So the game that I think we get to play today is... Uh, who knows what the age of consent in Japan is? Oh, I... There are too many things that make this impossible for me to guess, but I got a feeling I'm not going to like it. Okay. Anybody want to take a crack? Anybody no. want to take a very sad crack at this? Yeah, no. that's the thing. Like, I Just the way you're phrasing it tells yeah, me, well, like, I, oh... I, I, <laughs> I'll please say that it's eighteen. I'm I'm just really hoping. Let me get in here. I, I will I will play the game and I'm not gonna like it. Is it fifteen? The age of Are we talking age of sexual consent? Are we talking age of emancipation? Are we talking like uh, my assumption is. In what context are we talking here? Ooh, uh, valid, valid question. Yeah. When can they? When can they leave home? When can they get married legally? And when are they not going to be? Uh, it's definitely frowned upon in society, <laughs> or uh, worse. Okay, so I'm not a Japanese lawyer, so I'm kind of working under the assumption that this is legal age of consent, which I do believe means that you have like, um, uh, like rights over yourself like you are autonomy yeah you you have a, a certain level of legal autonomy where it's just like you because you know uh that's why like statutory rape is yeah. like uh, if a 14 year old consents to having sex with you that is still statutory rape because they are not of the age of consent where they have the sort of legal uh uh agency over themselves to give consent um <clears throat> which is that Okay, uh, let me... Ooh, nobody's going to like this answer. Um, hold on, let me let me just re reposition myself real quick. Uh-huh, brace, okay, brace yourself. Yeah, I'm, I've literally braced myself. The age of consent in Japan is 16 years old. Why? That's better yeah, than I thought it would be, honestly. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't surprise me, same. And also, that's not that different from here. 16 is the age where some stuff... It varies from state to state, but like... Yeah, it doesn't. I'm sorry. Like eighteen, just... eighteen is like you can do everything as an adult. Yeah, um, I... but sixteen does get you some privileges. Except rent a car I just and drink. Being sixteen, <laughs> I remember being sixteen, and I wasn't terribly bright. I know I thought I was. You know, like more sixteen-year-olds. Um, there's more. Oh God! Why? I mean, okay. The age of consent was changed to 16 in June of 2023. Oh. That, beg that begs the other question, the follow-up. Oh, don't ask the question. Don't ask the question. You don't have to ask it. I'm just going to say it. Yeah, just get it out. Rip the Band-Aid off, buddy. I don't know when this was established, but certainly in 2017, 2018, when this show uh, was released, the mm -hmm. age of consent was still 13. What the fuck? Which why? would explain why, as a 15-year-old, she was able to enter into a legally binding contract to put herself into human uh, trafficking. Yep. 
Yeah. Okay. That's, okay. So and Bob uh, was kind of okay. why I was upset about the sixteen because like that told me if it was changed at X time, it, it yeah, meant huh? that it wasn't something. It was something else before, and that tells me it probably wasn't really good before. Even if My it was, guess was fourteen. <laughs> even if it was higher before, that means they changed it to lower. So that's not good news either. Um. Okay. So so here is the only silver lining that I can find on this. Go on. If it was 16 when this show was made. There is a read that him saying you will eventually be my bride means that he had like the countdown clock till she was 16. Um, the fact that she was already two years past the age of consent and he was still waiting to say eventually you will be my bride means that it was a choice on his part to wait until she was more mature which I'm sure all gets fuzzier when we talk about what his understanding of marriage and the meaning of all of that is, which I think renders yeah. all of it moot. But from yeah. a very initial, um, you know, it's not a good look. It's not. It's still not a great look. Um, no, it's not. Uh, but I'm I'm trying to give a silver lining. Um, I okay. I will also say you remember how uh, before we were uh, talking about how um, information recontextualizes earlier parts of the story. Sure. Um, everyone in Sailor Moon is 14. They're too tall. They are definitely too tall, but this is also how they kind of get away with all the grade school girls uh, trying to vie for a boyfriend who are college students. That That's your issue? They're too tall? No, it's not my issue. I just couldn't think of anything that I could say that wouldn't need an edit marker later. Uh-huh. No, like... How, how about their their skirts are at an inappropriate level? They yeah. are, Bob. I'm, I'm the dad. I'm Bob, the dad. Wait, wait. <laughs> there, there, there was a very vulgar tirade hiding behind my teeth, and the only part of it I let out that wouldn't be essentially a huge edit marker for Nick... Uh -huh. Thinking of you, buddy. It was letting that out. If okay. anything, I have shown incredible restraint right now. It. So, okay, then if you keep restraining, I need to add another point while we're here. Um, God damn it! Because I don't know uh, when we'll be getting around to talking about Sailor Moon proper. Um, for for three. for me as like a a in retrospect kind of thing. Uh, learning how much, you know, the original author of Sailor Moon, like, would sort of, like, gleefully sexualize her characters. Um, oh, yeah. It was, there's this weird thing of just like, okay, well, I see why nobody else seemed to care, but that's still not great. And it's this, for uh -huh. this show and these characters that I still love, it's really weird to have this really gross feeling about their, uh, creator. Um, yeah. being too tall is kind of, but, is kind of an issue, but also that is how we get to the game of how old do we think these protagonists are, because that's never been um, really, you know, uh, accurate. Yeah, it, it, they've never really been in sync between appearance and, you know, measured age. But uh, if we're talking strictly in sense of measured ages, there's a lot of gross stuff going on in yeah, and around this Bob, topic. I, Bob, let me contextualize the reason I, I stopped at there too they're too tall is not just that is not that that solely is my issue it's that their character design is de clearly i don't want to say clearly intentional but i mean it feels clearly intentionally misleading of how old they are 
Oh, I agree, not, and I and haven't, I haven't even I seen the show. It's the, it's not what's being said; it's what's being not said. What's being presented to us? I got that. Yeah, Sailor Moon and, and the the way that they look or, has always appeared like mid high school to very early college, and yeah, and that is the way I, that those characters are treated in a lot of situations. I'm not gonna lie, Nick. I never looked into it because it never really occurred to me to do so. But I honestly thought, like, clearly they're at least 17. No. Yeah. Oh, man. This, oh. Yeah. Listen, for all the problems that early Megas Bride has with, like, power dynamics and such, I'm giving this show a big old hug for not being sexualized. Oh, thank God. I love you. I love you, anime manga. Thank you. Don't know. Yeah, so, so again, silver lining, for any misgivings that we've been, you know, sharing about this show so far, it could be way worse. Yeah, it could be way worse and celebrated as, like, the, one of the most well-known shoujo. Um, ah. Okay, so before we uh, use this uh, roiling uh, anger inside of us now to uh, leap into the next episode... Uh, does anybody feel like we should take a break real quick? Actually, I was going to say, let me grab my food, because it are here. Okay, so we will see everybody in a moment. And we are back from our very quick break where we are starting on the second episode. One today is worth two tomorrows. So during the break, audience, we decided that we were going to have Dear Bob resume his normal duties of narrating the experience for us. But due to technical issues, we're going to actually pass the ball to Nick since he is also new to this particular series to get that fresh eyed view. And we all know how cheery. I have, I have faith in him. We know how cheery my take on this show has been so far. I mean, to be fair, if, to, to to your point, rather, it does start off <laughs> rough. So, you know, seems appropriate. Yeah. Honestly, we, we started talking about it before, but I think most of the issues I take with this show are in the first episode and get less egregious over time from what we watched. But Well, Nick, why don't we, why don't we take a trip? Mm-hmm. To the donation oh it's gonna, a segue we're gonna go to the store yeah. we're gonna go to the store uh, i don't remember that tune off of my do, head to do, 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 do. there you do, go do, do, do. thank you okay so uh we come back episode starts with um we get a quick flashback to the dude who was at the auction house like scouting her out and is this a part is this when they're on the plane or is this when yeah. he, okay. And it's just like short, short version is like, I don't know how I, I couldn't tell you. I don't know how these two got together, but he is definitely ferrying her from Japan to the auction. Yeah. Um, but that is like the dream flashback that she's having. So then, uh, it becomes a, she wakes up and she's in the house. Uh, and we she goes down to no uh uh the there was another part of that flashback there was was yeah was the first part of the trauma flashback you could call it sequential order 
of oh. events in her life. There was Chise, and you hear her mother, and then there's an open window. Oh yeah, it. It's it's weird how many times they like it makes sense how many times they go back to that like hey we need to let you know that her mother killed herself in front of her but like I don't know you show it like once or twice and I get it and yet they keep like slow dripping it like oh we eventually you'll figure out what this means I don't know maybe that's just me um, no that's guess... just you okay that's just me all right this is I, how Chise is experiencing it mm-hmm. also true she is dealing with the trauma and. I, that's honestly the read I had on it. it was like, this is going to keep happening. Why? Because this is her PTSD. Hmm. I, I mean, yeah, that, that's why it makes sense that they like revisit it. But like, mm-hmm. okay. I, I agree. We as the audience don't necessarily need to see it. I, my interpretation is they're showing us almost to continuously drive home. This is why she says is feeling this way. Yeah. I, I. But again, I I see your point wholeheartedly. I just I don't know. That was my read. Sure. For what it's worth. Um, but yes, this is the sort of flashback dream that she's having and she's waking up. Uh, Sylvie comes in to give her new clothes and bring her down to breakfast where uh, Elias says, uh, hey, you've been asleep for two days after the whole fairy thing. Uh, and they, well, what did they talk about here at the table? Um, oh, uh, is this the one where he's like, hey, so uh, should we talk about our honeymoon? He do, he does do that after uh, Silver yes. presents him just the best of breakfast. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, he he keeps, he drops that honeymoon and I'll even tag on in my notes like again cue up your favorite moment from everyone's favorite moment from the Princess Bride. I don't think that word means what you think it means. Yeah, he definitely says it like, "Hey, we need to discuss this because I don't know what it means. Can you tell me?" Yeah, it's like we need to go to the grocery store. We need to talk or talk about what we're getting at the store. We need to talk about what we're doing on the honeymoon. Like, and and I love that even in this, her internal monologue is like, "Yeah, that's a bit weird." Uh huh. <laughs> it's like you know, in like the comedy scenes where two people both think that the other one knows, uh, you know is in on the secret that they don't know, mm. but they're pretending to know, except mm-hmm. it's just him. Nobody else knows about it. And they're open about it. And he's like, Hmm, mm-hmm, but I know everything. So, okay. Um, do you know what that means? She say, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so, so breakfast ends after having their traditional English, well rendered, uh, breakfast. Uh, and they take a trip into town, both to get some supplies from one of Elias's uh, acquaintances, but also to introduce, mm, okay, future bride. Should we say fiancé? Is that a quicker way to say that, or is that different? No, he, apprentice. <laughs> yeah, he keeps saying apprentice. That's true, apprentice. That and bride mean the same thing, clearly. Uh-huh. So he's, say, he's constantly introducing her as his apprentice, or... As we will see in the episodes that we watched, everyone else keeps calling her his apprentice. True, 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 true. Everybody else knows what's up more. Uh, and, uh, oh, uh, while they're walking around in town, we get the scene of him showing off his human face. I have a question before we go too far, and if you if you don't, it's fine. Okay. Did you recognize the face later in this episode? No? We see that face again. Don't worry. We'll talk about it. Yeah. He, oh. He's, he's using, uh, Wait, really? 
Yeah, he's That's using Simon's specific. Face. Yeah, he's using Simon's face. Oh, he doesn't have really? an original. He doesn't have an original face glamour. He not just here, but later on in the series overall, he will use other faces of people he has encountered. I just like the fact that, like, when he's displaying it to her, and he's like, oh, what do you think? Am I not handsome? And she's just like, ah, seems sus. And I'm just like, yeah, you get her. You get his ass. That was that was exactly my notes. She say response. Seems sus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Presses alarm. Um... But yeah, so they go, they go into a bookstore, which looks like, um, Firo and the other one are about to get shot up inside of it. And, <laughs> uh, they, uh, go into the back to talk with, uh, his acquaintance, Vanessa? Vanilla. Angelica. Angelica. Thank Angelica you. Angelica Varley. He calls her Gemsby, dude. Hmm. A Varley Davidson. Got it. Um, <laughs> And can I, can I play the game, Nick? Sure. What's the game? Yeah, let's do it. How let's do it. You think, how old do you think mommy there is? Oh, so based on her appearance, I would say she's maybe like 34 and then adjusting for anime, mm. she's maybe 24. Mm, mm, mm. May I have a guess? I mean, yes, a do it. Do it. Do it. I love this game. Hopefully I sound okay. Yes. Uh, because she has, she is a mages, I'm going to put her at 152. Joe, do you know without telling them? I do not remember. I do. And I hate to give it to Nick without going over, but Bob still was closer at the same time. She's 105. I did I did forget about that Magus part, yeah. 100? Yeah, just to tack on, too. I love that, apparently, yeah, being a mage just automatically includes, by the way, your living centuries. Well, you know, you get that good medicine. Yeah, yeah it's the the life energy that flows through you. I just I love it because traditionally in a lot of anime, unless unless you're a lolly, um, typically it's like no no you're just t- ten twenty you die at maybe a hundred. This kind of again harkens in my in my opinion and experience kind of closer to Merlin esque characters of like oh yeah he's lived centuries. I mean, they are already kind of playing with the ideas of, like, the more into magic you are, the more like a fae you are, and, and the lines <clears> blur. So, like, it, it kind of makes sense to me that they that they do go hand in hand. Um, but yes, uh, Angelica? Mm-hmm. Okay, I got it. Uh, you can call her Angie. Oh, yeah. Angie. She's, uh, famous for her list. Um, but mm-hmm. Angie has a, um is a sort of magus artificer, I believe. Uh, so Magus craft artificer, yeah. Yes, uh, but basically this means that sh- we she is uh, my favorite genre of anime character, which is badass um, mechanic sidekick. She is essentially the Winry of this. Of Winry this wants to be her. Yeah. Actually, she looks a bit more like um, their teacher from FMA, but... <laughs> Kind of, yeah. Uh, but yes, so we, we get the introductions, and as soon as Chisei comes in, and uh, Elias is like, ah, yes, this is my apprentice, and also eventually wife. And she just like... Well, we didn't get... Oh, <laughs> do, we, do we want to do it the right way? Because it's funny the right way. What's the right way? I, I forget. The right way was, this is my apprentice. 
When did you get an apprentice? Did you do something illicit? Mm-hmm. No, no, I followed all the proper procedures for buying her. Mm-hmm. You buy a person, Angela, the vo- or Angelica, the voice of the people. Yeah, she's the, the only f- one who's right so far in this show. Correct. Um, but yeah, then basically kicks him out of the room, and then this becomes oh, the not, not quite yet. Not yet. Doesn't kick him out. Yeah, let's let's get this in order because it's still so beautiful. Angelica is just the best. Uh huh. She says, "Has he done anything weird to her?" Poor <laughs> Chise, being Chise, like, gen- genuine Chise. <clears throat> I don't know. Uh, you know, bought me, then he stripped me down for a bath, and then he proposed to me, and she just gut punches Elias. <laughs> just knocks the wind out of this fave. <laughs> Get out of here, you stupid horny mage! Not horny, but like lechy mage. Get out, take uh-huh. a walk around the block, and I'm like, Angelica is correct always, never not Angelica. Um, but yeah, sorry, so, I love that. No, it, it's great. You're you're right. Um, but yeah, then this becomes the Chiefsay and Angelica show for a little bit. Uh, except that's not true because uh, Angie's daughter comes in. To show off her like mage training and foreshadow something that's going to happen in about twenty seconds, um, and she's adorable. She's got such a good pouty face. Um, we get a little breakdown here. Uh, like she's the first one to actually like explain anything to Chise. Um, like a good human. Yeah, and like a good uh, you know, master in the master apprentice uh, relationship. Um. And we get this little breakdown of the difference between sorcery and magic, which I think is interesting because this is kind of the out of what we watch. It's like the only time sorcery is really mentioned because I Would think you, I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt you. Can I right. can I tell you something? I'm actually really proud of you. Yeah. Because the in did you watch the sub or dub? I watched the sub. Oh, okay. That would explain why. Because I was going to say, I assumed you'd watch the, the dub for some reason. In the dub, they call it alchemy and alchemists. Oh, okay. But yeah, in the original, it's sorcerers and sorcery. And I, I will say, I've watched both because I watched it when it first came out and then the dub when it was available. Mm-hmm. And that was probably my biggest complaint. It's like, sorcery just sounds better for the way that you're about ready to describe they describe it. Yeah, well, because the way they describe it is like... Sorcery is basically hacking the universe, just like the the rules of nature and reality or whatever. Very um, uh, they, Peter they Lake bet. about it. Um, mm-hmm. and then magic is essentially uh asking the Fey for favors. I, yeah, they 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 use the Fey and as well as break the rules essentially. Mm-hmm. Whereas mage or sorcerers can like, like we can bend it. We our magic isn't strong enough to break it. Mage is like, no, nah, no, nah, we got the fae on our side. Oh, <laughs> what rules? Okay. Screw your rules. I have money. Interesting. Okay, okay, I got gotcha. you. Um, but I mean, still, it's I mean, fairly accurate to what you're describing, and it's essentially implying mage is the good stuff. Um, that's, I thought sorcery was going to be the good stuff because it wasn't restricted by Faye, and I was looking forward to the biggest bad being a sorcerer, but okay. Um, um, buckle up for season two. Nice. Uh, but so basically after talking about this and, you know, they're going back and forth, it's just like, okay, well, what has he taught you? Done this. And, uh, the scene proceeds and she, uh, gives Chise a crystal 
much like the one that her daughter had run in with a minute ago and is like, okay, here, try and transmute this, basically. Uh, imagine, you know, your favorite flower in your mind and then tell it to to go and change. And uh, she tries to do it, and she's like, what is my favorite flower? And she instantly uh, gets snapped back in time to her and her mother in a field of flowers, which then, of course, uh, as traumatic memories do, steamrolls back into visions of her mom uh, killing herself and being dead, at which point uh, Elias comes in and snaps her out of it and is kind of like, hey, come back to Earth. And we see the shop around her, and instead of transmuting one little crystal into one little flower, she has basically started transmuting the entire room into a field of flowers, like, starting to suck her feet into crystalline as well. Um, at which point, uh, Angie is rightfully pissed off at Elias for being like, okay, what is her deal? You neglected to say important shit, which, recurring pattern, um... Which is already very clear. He has trouble knowing what to tell people. Uh, and it's just like, yeah, she's a, she's a sleigh baggy. Uh, she's a yas queen. Um, and it's just like, oh, okay, yeah, all right. Uh, chill. Be careful with that stuff because you're like super powerful. You're, you're the, the heroine of this young adult novel, you know? Um, getting back to that. And, uh, f- from there, uh, and she's like, okay, here's a bunch of cool mage gear. Um, and then they head back to home. Did I miss anything? Um, some things, um, we'll get, uh, are you saying is that the end of the episode for you? Uh, not the episode, but the scene. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. Uh, just a couple things. Before giving her the crystal, but while well, explaining like the, her, her job and her experience as a mage, um, Angelica does take the opportunity to say, hey, you know, don't practice above, or don't try and perform above your level, because there are consequences. Even though you may break rules, there is still blowback. Show, and she's been wearing these like uh, sleeves. I don't know the proper term for them, but just essentially, yeah, the wearable kind of com- sleeves, compression sleeves, maybe. Yeah, and she pulls it down, and her arm is just embedded with gems. As she says, during her time as an apprentice. She punched above her weight in magic, and this is the result. And she, this is arguably getting off lucky. Yeah, looking like so a when we Dark Souls NPC. Mm-hmm. So she says, like, this is fine. Like, oh, oh, my scars are hideable, but there are still, you know, consequences. So you gotta be careful. Um, we also get to see the best salamander, the little like sea green one, show up again. I call them the that. fat call one. Them. Yeah, the fat, cuddly one. Who follows them home. Yeah. <laughs> I love him. I will kill anyone that tries to harm them. I swear. Okay. <laughs> you're so cuddly. So, so, so here's a question that this kind of raised for me. Um, <laughs> as Tuesday's been, been, you know, sitting in the shop and all this, she's been noticing like a bunch of little fake creatures crawling yep. around and being all ambient and what have you. Um, is Angela also a, can see the fey person as a mage i it's not definitively said but i have to believe she is aware because of her nature as a mage because much like elias she it, she are a mage and elias is aware of their presence not just because he's a fey but because he is also a mage he can sense these things right so I, and this is where yeah, I'm like the nature back. of their magic is to 
communicate no. and use them to do the magic. So I would imagine that they can see them, or at least and, some of them. And here's here's the reason why I say I'm certain Angelica has to know. This is no big reveal, it, but it just kind of comes up later. She was also Elias's apprentice previously, you know, oh. not necessarily a century ago, but before she became capable of living a century. So, which implies then her accident happened under his watch. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. I remember they say some line about his other apprentices in a real like, huh? What'd you mm-hmm. just say? In a very don't worry yeah. about it kind of way. Well, don't worry about it. Angie turned out great. Uh huh. She's got a kid now. It's fine. She's she, her own business. And she's looking great for a century. <laughs> I can't go why. Um, I, and additionally, we also get to meet Angie's familiar because part of this outing, or no, I'm sorry, that's later, so never mind. We meet Angie's familiar who is not an Ariel, but definitely of like a similar race. It's a water spirit. Um, Ariel's specifically are air. Air, yeah. And hers is a water. I forget the exact name, but and like Aquio? a nymph. That might actually be right. That can't be right. I made that up. Um, <laughs> okay, then I don't know. Okay. Like I said, I, I really don't know because I couldn't get the subs to work for it on that particular name. But I, I got the impression, like, nymph. I, I don't think she says the name of his like species. I think he just says his name. Oh, in the English, they do. Oh, interesting. Yeah, um, and that's when like I, I couldn't get it to play up. Um, yeah. But that being said, it's essentially the cousin to what we've seen earlier, as Joe said, the Ariel's heir, this little little water fella, and which like I he, did love. He totally picks up that she, that she's a slave beggy before. Uh, Angela mm. does because oh, yeah. because he's just Making like oh it. <laughs> yeah it's like hey I'm attracted to you but I'm already loyal to this one so sorry like as though Chisei is already totally up on what she is mm. and to your point he she they they because I don't think it really has a gender uh, uh, in the subs they do specifically use he oh, they do say that he. stuck out to me okay. He then he is chastised by Angelica later after the explosion of crystals because when Elias says, you know, she's she says a slave baggy, she immediately looks at her uh her familiar and says, Why didn't you tell me? Mm-hmm. And Elias comes to the Fae defense and like, listen, yo, she's special to them. Don't you 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 go nice on him. Uh-huh. <clears throat> Which again was kind of interesting. Very, very kind to the what they also I love instead of always calling them Fae or fairies, the neighbors. Yeah. Which is I, very yeah. gay Scots Gaelic and I love it. Yeah. <laughs> very circle of life kind of nomenclature. Mm-hmm. Very like, good. It's like you say mage, but I hear druid in there somewhere. <laughs> but that being said, uh there was that like I said, we got my the best little salamander. Um how does an axolotl? Yeah, that actually does kind of remind me of that. Now that you say that, uh, but yeah, he's he's such a good little boy because he's he just kind of reappears throughout the series. Mm-hmm. To to date, he doesn't stand serve as anything other than cute cute candy right there. Just like he'll look at you. So, but yeah, that's I think really. Oh, Angelica also gives she say essentially a kit. She she does a making of things. 
like an ocean alloy knife, um, a Thunderbird feather, Which, uh, a woven overcoat. I, like, I, listen, maybe a sensitive subject, but in my sure. advice, don't give the girl who we already know is suicidally ideation style depressed a knife. You know, I agree on on the narrative level, but think of it in universe from Angelica's perspective. She doesn't know that. Yeah, I guess that's true. But again, you would think Elias, Elias would want to say something. something or just be like, hey, give the kid to me first and I'll give her what's safe for her to play with. Like, you know? Yeah. And this is where, like, even originally watching this, I, I assume, like, I assume he's aware enough to not let her hurt herself. I would hope. I, you know what? I don't think he is. Yeah, I have you, to agree with Nick. Oh no, no, no! However, I, I think it's I think it's a starter kit for uh, mages. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're gonna do magic. You need a knife. Yeah, th- yeah, this is everything that um, you know, when you're making a level one D and D character, this is all the stuff you assume you have. Yeah, it's not like she made her a K bar. Yeah. <laughs> Here's your enchanted K bar. Go stab a bitch. Uh, I mean. If it was oh, yeah. called a Halligan, that would be... Mm. Hmm. I want an enchanted no, Halligan. Okay. I say otherwise, yeah, we've pretty much covered everything here other than, you know... Uh, and Angelica, as you mentioned, is teaching her daughter magic, but she does lay down, like, I really wish she would just choose a normal life instead of mm-hmm. one, a life like mine. I'm like, hmm. Do as I say, not as I cast. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, but that was that was it for essentially the trip, and then they head home, like you mentioned. Yes. Uh, right, and so they're on their way home, and we uh, find waiting out in front of their little cabin is uh, Simon. I imagine Simon Peter, the priest, who is uh, Simon Callum. Mm, yeah, is his last name? No, I yeah. like mine better. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't not like yours, but I get it. Again, the idea of, like, it's like, oh, a Catholic priest, how exotic for her. It's just like, oh, yeah, so we're going to push this as hard as possible. Got it. Um, I just add in every time they mention the church and I put in my notes, it's like, it's like, Simon, who works for the church, in parentheses, yes, that one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) To Um, the point of still the same church. Yeah, they don't really, like, say exactly what time period this is supposed to take place in. But I imagine it's fairly modern day, although apparently it before cell phones. Uh, no, they. It's modern. It's just they're not used. Okay, interesting. I want to see uh, Faye use a cell phone, slamming my fist I, on the table. I don't disagree, but I. Uh, hey, you should read my comic that only exists in my head. I should read Fair. that. That's a big part or, of it. I gave you a place to post it. You just never drew it. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe we should see the comic. Mm. I started. You did start it. Um, okay. okay, but uh, Simon Peter Callum the third is here <laughs> to basically... All right, so he's come from the church, and basically he has three errands for Alias to run for the church, and later it gets explained that basically, like... Church don't like mages because, well, you know, the church. Um, and so, like, they send him errands, and as long as he does them, they leave him alone. So that's kind of their, like, uh, uh, good fences make good neighbors kind of uh, also, situation. A, 
Elias does say, like, yeah, sometime not long ago, from the perspective of a being that is capable of living centuries, I did a thing that caused some trouble. Mm -hmm. He said, I made a mistake, and it caused some trouble. And to kind of get the church off my back, (laughs) this is what I do. Yeah, which, like, what he considers to be a mistake, I am kind of curious about that, because I'm sure it is sort of like, he is hilariously underplaying it because that's just his character, but also just like, what would he get up to that would piss the church off? I do also like when we're talking with Simon, mm-hmm. it, it comes up. This is the thing I was referring to. It's like, it's like he, he, Simon says like for something that, or for someone that's lived longer than the church is worth, like you'd, th- and then the last replies, you think after a few centuries, they just get over it. Uh-huh. And it's just, just again casually dropping centuries like yeah this is how long things live right yeah um i just love yeah. these little details it's uh yeah he, yeah okay um the his age and how he acts according to it is is my big final thought mm-hmm. you know, that i'm going to get to um mm-hmm. But yes, so uh, he kind of delivers those and then he wanders off and then they very quickly decide to take a walk to Iceland so that Chise can get kidnapped by a dragon and we have a cliffhanger to end on. I mean, obviously they didn't just walk, but <laughs> I mean, uh, we did leave out two two things. I literally looked away to type one note, and when I looked back, she was getting kidnapped from a dragon, and I'm like, "All right." Yeah. I mean, arguably, I was gonna say they could have just traveled there, or they just, you know, teleported there, which is not un- unbelievable considering how they left London in the first place. True, we've seen that already. Yeah, uh, yeah what that's we like fairly established. Uh, minor detail stuff. Um, Elias does kind of. Both he and Simon have like a a relation of tolerance in a sense. Like it's definitely not animosity, but Elias would definitely rather not deal with him and yeah, the but... church by proxy. But it is playful. But he does choose where he kind of takes his digs at Simon, and he mentions like, "Well, he calls himself a priest, but sometimes he preaches as a pastor. You know, fence straddler much, and just kind of uh-huh. calls him out on his BS." Because well, it also seems like, hey, you're with the church, but also you're dealing with me as, like, a person, mm-hmm. and it's just like, I'm sure the church would not be down with that. Like, you know, oh, yeah. burning at the stakes is usually how they deal with people like uh, Elias. And then also, there's another reason that Simon is there. You remember how we talked about living that good magi- uh, mage life? Simon got gets his local pharmaceuticals from Elias. Yes, right. That was the other bit. If I remember correctly, it's like an asthma-like thing. Uh, it's definitely allergy-related because, spoiler, they they actually address that at some point. Yeah, he has some breathing thing. I did yeah. not expect that to be addressed, but all right, cool. Yeah, it's it's the, okay. So all I will say uh-huh. is, if a character gets introduced and gets a name, you are absolutely going to see them later. They are almost never, I won't say never going away, but they will be fleshed out. Okay. You will get a good, good deal more information than say your typical shonen or I would say even general anime. You get like how, how Simon met Elias. Hmm. Yeah. It's, it's kind of cute. And even then you get to know Simon. Um, 
But yeah, that that's really it. And then yeah, we have another attempt at Grand Theft Chise. Uh huh. <laughs> it's like we're in land, Iceland, land of the dragons. Oh no, dragons a dragon! <laughs> yeah, land of dragons. Huh? I wonder if we'll see a dragon. Dragon. So and, like, and you should have known. Yeah, and then the writer on the dragon who just they do give like that meaningful look moment between Elias and said writer. Yeah. Um, who is some sort of pretty hooded blonde boy who we'll meet in the next episode. Um, because it, it really is a, a solid, um, just like a cliffhanger cut here. And then we pick up immediately in the next episode, which, mm-hmm. uh, do we have anything else to say about this episode before moving on? The only nope. two notes I have is Angelica is easily my favorite. And that dragon looks like he popped out of Yu-Gi-Oh! Yeah, you're not wrong. I actually can think of the card. I just can't think of its name. I mean, it's designed similar. Yeah, it's designed similar. It's segmented and has ridges in the back similar to the blue eyes. I was thinking actually of one of the luster dragons. I looked it up. (laughs) Ridges Um, in the back, party in the front. In the front. (laughs) Fire in the mouth. (laughs) Wings in the air, as they are. But yeah, um, other than introducing literally the best character ever and Angel- Angelica, and by that I mean the axolotl little good boy, mm-hmm. I just love to, when they're doing those little stills, like immediately as they're leaving, say, like, there's the axolotl. Here he is again, following the there. Mm-hmm. And then we're getting the home, and there he is just, even she says, kind of like, what the hell are you doing here? And he just crawls up and hangs off her. He's like, oh, you so, know, just hanging out. Just, hi, I'm home. <laughs> Did you know you adopted me? Uh-huh. What? <laughs> well, because she's a queen bee, so I imagine this is going to happen to her a lot. Kind of. not like, all of them will be as cuddly. You know, honestly, there's only other really one consistent one, which we see later. And I will cover its name when we see it. But the, really, those are the only two that are constantly there at, at the homestead with Chise that aren't part of like the main cast. Like, I have to assume, though, like, you, off-screen, yeah, we get some passers-by, anything that's just in the neighborhood is like, hmm, light. Mm-hmm. You know, Mothman stuff. I arguably missed opportunity not to have the Mothman show up. True. Well, Mothman is in, what, Pennsylvania, not Britain? Yeah, but she's from Japan. That's true. Um, and we're I- in Iceland with dragons. That's true. We've moved to Iceland. Uh to deal with the dragons and we deal with the dragons fully in episode three the balance distinguishes not between gold and lead uh so this one picks up pretty much exactly where we left off uh and this is an episode about hanging out with the dragons so the we we see like we basically get the long version of the last scene of the last episode because they had to cut it short so they could land correctly on the, uh, the cliffhanger for the timing. Um, mm-hmm. and would it interest you? I'm sorry to interrupt. Would it mm-hmm. interest you to know that's more or less how that particular chapter of the manga ended? Yeah. Makes sense. No, I, yeah, I mean, like, page count. Like a lot of the cuts you get. Yeah. A lot of the cuts you get here, like, and part of what was, frustrating choosing these episodes is that especially in season one's like okay you're just cu- cutting into the next episode we don't just get like an ending and i can break this up easily and then show you what i want to show you 
there's almost a feeling like if they made the like arc compilation movies, they would almost slow better. You know, there's a part of me that would actually like to see that. Um, yeah. But so, so basically we have like a quick flashback to what actually happened last time, which is basically talking about like, yeah, dragons are here. Uh, so they are there because the first task from the church is, Hey, there's been some dragon activity. Can you go see what's up? Um, and so they are here to see the dragons and then dragon boy comes, uh, riding a dragon and steals Chise and flies her back to where the dragons are. And then like <laughs> land Spits her into a lake. Yeah. Like, which it goes immediately from Waka Waka. Oh, she's landing in the lake to then this like very dark, morose like oh my body is so heavy i'm sitting underwater i guess this is the end like not in all those many words but it's shot like that and i'm just like huh that's huh that's a jarring juxtaposition okay i guess you know as many times as we see like the mages kind of almost turned into comic relief in the way they handle the world around them I'm almost just convinced that mages in general just don't know how to interact with the world or society in general yeah. on a, what I would call expected level. It's just like, all right, put her down. Plop. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's probably not the way we should have done that. Yeah. So, so that is, uh, like this, not a lot happens in this episode. So I guess I'm going to just kind of sure. say what we learn. Uh, the, uh, guy who kidnapped her, is the like caretaker of the dragons here in this dragon valley because the dragons need to stay hidden so like people don't hunt them down for being monsters or something like that. I don't know if we get more into it. Um more or less. This this is a dragon preserve, yeah. Yeah. It's the um right, in my notes I said uh he's stealing her and taking her to the Pokemon Safari zone. Uh, as we get the quick shots of all the different styles of dragons as we're flying You're in. You're not allowed to catch dragons. <laughs> but you can throw rocks at them. Uh, I wouldn't. I, I would not. Uh, but so, like, um, yeah, b- basically, we meet this guy. He's the caretaker. He is even older than Elias. Oh, do you want more on that? Uh, like, the actual? Their relationship? Is, yeah, their relationship. Sure. He trained Elias. Oh, okay. All right. So this, this plants one of the earliest seeds, like seeds of clarity. And I say earliest because it's still not completely clear. Sure. On how mages are with their apprentices, how they view them and how it's not just an apprentice thing. It's, Vin Diesel, it's Vin mm-hmm. Diesel meme here, but also it's kind of amorphous in the roles of that family. There's just like you know, there's the the ma- there's always two a master and an apprentice, and yet it's not just that. Yeah. So so like this was the thing because like as soon as like they arrived and they were all like welcoming her and treating her like a guest and all of this. And then later Elias shows up and they're just like, like Elias has come here to talk to that guy because he's the caretaker for the dragons. And like, 
to sum up the whole point of the trip functionally is just like, yeah, no, it's been rough on food lately. So dragons have been hunting out further and that's it. That's, that is what's going on. Mission accomplished. Put up the banner. Um, but like, I was trying to figure out why did he steal her? Cause like, okay. we, we like, cause we've had like a pattern of Chise being stolen because she is this, uh, beige sluggy and that's like, <laughs> um and so like you know all of the fey and otherworldly neighbors sort of uh like her and kind of want them for her uh for their own uh so i, th- I thought that's the first thing that was going on and this was just a dragon's turn to do that but no it is kind of just so dragon caretaker can take the piss out of elias yes and oh, am i allowed to talk about Again, it's explaining the dynamic of the relationship. I, I mean, if it is like also to, cause like he does make a comment of just like, oh, so it, easily. It, he still just, hasn't learned. It's that, but it's like the relationship between Elias and then therefore the relationship, Lindell, uh, Mage of Echoes. Right. There you go. The, the dragon man, uh, has with Chise by proxy. Or by by extension, rather. Oh, um, mage granddaughter. Because yes. Oh, yeah. So it's essentially imagine grandpa. Imagine you are a parent. You have your child. You are proud of your child. You're coming to show grandpa and grandma the child. And then grandpa just does a drive by, snatching the child. Hey, we're going to go for a ride. You don't know who I am yet, but here we go. You're coming That's with me. We're going to Disney World. You're going to eat all of the cotton candy they have. And by the time your dad gets here, you're going to be like super high on sugar, and then you're going to be his problem. <laughs> and, yeah, and then I'm dumping you back on him. Yeah, okay, all right, yeah. That's what this is, because Elias is his apprentice slash kind of son in that manner. Because a son, what is a son? You pass on something to to the next generation, in this case, magic, experience, etc. And, and they also kind of like with Simon, Elias has kind of a playfully, well, playful for Lindell's perspective, antagonistic relationship mm-hmm. with his father. Yeah, you all know, right. Not a commentary there at all. No. Um, Which, so that's really what this was. This is just like, hey, Dad, I got to talk to you about your, you know, the dogs you've been taking care of on this farm. One uh-huh. of them got loose, and the, the local popo said, keep them under, under wraps or else. That's really what the mission was. Uh, and by the popo, you mean the pope. Yeah, the popo. Yeah, the popo. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. a, um, yeah, because you know, the church, yes, that one kind of has a struggle <laughs> uh-huh. when it comes to anything that's not part of its doctrine that it totally didn't cherry pick. So yeah, that's really what this was. This was not about the mission. This was really about the Chise experience because this is the Chise show. Right. And then that's kind of like what actually happens because because when Elias and Echo go, I'm just gonna call him Echo because that's a f- more fun name to me. Um, mm-hmm. uh, like they go off to discuss his little task that they're there for, and Chise just kind of this is the Chise hangs out with dragons episodes. Um, yeah, baby dragons, baby dragons, where they're like running around and playing games. They take a nap by the pond. And they ask Time Wizard and to make, you know, Millennium Dragon or whatever it was. Yeah, and, and then, uh, she say, uh, uh, triggers a trap card and she loses 500, uh, XP when she gets dropped into water. Um, life points? They're life points. Uh, yeah. but, uh, the other main thing is there is this big old dragon named Uncle Nevin. At least that's what the, the, mm-hmm. the hatchlings call him. And, yep. 
like it starts with he just like sniffs her and is just like, hmm, you smell like a mage, but also foreign flowers. Smells nice. So if anyone's creepy, technically, you know, telling the 15 year old girl that she smells nice and foreign is that's actually maybe to the be most creepiest. Fair. Uh-huh. He's a dragon. He's blind. No, he's blind though. So yeah, like said is the only thing he has to go on. Yeah. It's arguably, yes, I say he's a dragon because, you know, there's the possibly higher form of life. But yeah, think of it like your dog. If if you had a dog and it could not see or a cat and it could not see, how else is it going to identify what's in front of it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. It's like maybe use a little bit more deodorant. It's like thankfully Nevin just says like, yeah, you smell very nice yeah. and also of a foreign land foreign. because that's how good my nose is. Uh-huh. And didn't just say, Hey, you know, you smell like brine and seawater and fish because you fell in a lake. Yeah. I, you know, it is much better than a sighted person saying you smell foreign. That's a much worse yeah. look. Okay. You know what? I'll let it go then. Um, ne- Nevin is, Nevin is nothing if not perfect. Yeah. And, and like, so, so like the big thing that the episode sort of is about is like, they have that initial meeting and then after like playing with the kids and talking about dragon eating habits has been addressed. We get this whole scene. Humans can fly. Oh yeah. Just whether or not they can and stuff going on. Uh, Nevin's like, Hey, my time is also up. And because I'm the wise old one, I can just sort of tell that you have, uh, a lot of trauma in you, and yet you're so kind-hearted. And for the first time, she says, truly seen by this old man. Um, and so so they, they really have this moment where it's just like, you know, he's asking questions that are like, you know, like, hey, you're good at heart. And I, I don't even remember everything that he says, but basically, like, meeting him is such, like, a, a intense emotional experience for her. And they share this moment of, uh, he's like, Hey, I'm going to be dead soon. No, no, no. It's okay. I'll become a tree. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Um, but like his last gift is he shares with her his memory of flying. So it's just like the two of them flying over this sunset ocean and just thinking about like, Oh, this is, you know, the greatest thing I've known. And, thank you for, you know, sharing your energy with me so that I could share this memory with you. And my last moments were flying. That is the greatest gift you have been. And I'm crying by this point, just to be, if you know, as you should be. Yeah, no, it's like, <laughs> normally it's the law of cartoon robots, but I guess cartoon dragons is going to also count in this case. Um, uh, and it's just this very sweet moment. And like, it's making her reflect. And it's, she's like, She's like, do I show gratitude? Am I, you know, sad about this? Because, like, so obviously this is another um, big, like, excuse to show the way that she is, like, obviously talked herself out of believing that she feels sad or grieves or anything. Which, for the trauma she has had, that makes sense. Like, for for, for whatever I'll say about um, the way it, like, harps on her, her trauma and how they think the audience is reading it or whatever like it's a fairly okay like logic progression of how somebody reflects that trauma like you know you you were saying that you were able to um a lot of it resonated with you and like yeah I, i can totally see how and honestly pieces of this even resonated with me even though you know 
it's not the same as, you know, the reason I'm in therapy, but, you know, we're all on our own journey, and, and there, there's some very real, like, emotional beats in here. Um, yeah, they are all they are all unique journeys, and they are all valid journeys, and they are journeys that we should have. And they are, I, this would be a joke if I knew any song played by the band Journey. Well, don't stop believing in it. Okay, I won't. Uh, <laughs> it'll be, uh, I'll come up with one in a long time. That's Boston. <laughs> um, I won't stop you now. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we are the champions. I'm done. I'm out. I can't. <laughs> um, fat bottom girls. Also, the dragons are kind of fat bottom girls. Uh, when you're <laughs> okay, hang on. I gotta. All right, I gotta come back. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they they. But like this is. This episode is a good example of what this show is because it, it's all about her experiencing this magical world, basically, and learning and just be, meeting all these different creatures and seeing all these different lives. Yeah, and and like they don't, they're 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 like trying to do some of the stuff with just like, oh, she is in this world where like people are kind to her and they are very accepting of her, and it's like. You know, the the show is largely about her journey to, you know, again, having self-worth and being like, oh, there are enjoyable things in my life. And, like, not only having them, but getting used to knowing that she has them because, you know, uh, uh, knowing something and feeling something are different. Uh, so, like, you know, we have a lot of times of her just, like, meeting new people and sometimes it's bad, sometimes it's good. But she's developing, you know, the, the social skills to deal with and emotional skills to deal with all of that. Um and that's great. I feel like that sentence was supposed to end with but, but I don't know what happened. But it didn't, so there. Okay. Um, oh, go ahead. No, uh, what do you got? I was just going to go over just some, again, minor f- fleshing out details of, like, we get we get to see Chisei exposed to the perspective of, like, hey, you know, death in and of itself is not necessarily a bad thing. It's just, you know a traditional part of life, which on an academic level, I would say almost everyone knows, but there's still the human ingrained fear of dying. And it's, it's nice to see a depiction of like just a species, not human. That is also not boastful about it. It's just very, it's like matter of fact, like we're dying, but that's beautiful because we, Give, we essentially we restore the world, or we res- bring something to the world. Right. Some of these dragons become rocks, trees. Yeah, there's this whole like part of the cycle is for specifically the kind of dragon that uh, Uncle Nevin is, which is a Yuil, mm. um, which are the big sleepy ones. So also me, definitely me. Um, mm. But like, yeah, when they die, they become they like fade back into the forest, they grow over with moss, they become rocks and trees, and they become fertile land for the next generation. Even though um, Echo definitely planted a seed in him to make that happen, so yeah, I, I feel like there might be more story there. I don't think in the way you're thinking, it's more that like they could become a tree by Lindell putting the seed there. He would become a tree. Okay, alright. Eh, that's that's it, what is that Pokemon egg you have there? I won't know until I walk a hundred steps and then it becomes whatever. It could be a boat. Um, in this case, no, we became a tree. And to that point, uh, 
his dying words to Chise are among his dying words are like this, this, uh, uh, Lindenbaum tree. If I remember correctly, it's going to be pretty, pretty strong, good wood. And as a mage, you're going to need a wand one day, Harry. Mm, sorry, not Harry. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a, that's an old trigger for making fun of that. So no, you're going to need a, you're going to need a wand there, kiddo. I want you to come back when you're ready. When the time is right for you to need one, make a staff out of my branches. Which, okay. Yeah. Have we, did Angie use a wand? Cause we definitely haven't seen Elias use a wand. He's got a stick. He's, he did he's, have he's a stick, stick once. That's true. I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, that walking stick is essentially his wand. Cause he clapped it away and I don't know if it ever came back. It it reappears from time to time. Okay, all right. I would I would argue, and there's nothing I have to base this on, just my personal opinion. By Elias's mysterious eldritch nature, he is powerful enough. He doesn't really need it. He just kind of has it as part of the process. Yeah, as he, a formality. he he met the god behind the door with the tree of life on it, and now he can he can just tattoo a circle onto him and do magic. Yeah, I mean, arguably, some uh-huh. of that might be accurate because we. <laughs> Spoiler, we still don't know uh, Elias' origin story to date. Cool. And yeah, I, I'm honestly of the mindset, I don't want to know. I want it to forever just not be described yeah. personally. But that being said, um, so he does that. Uh, and what what leads him to share the memory is also kind of important because she, she has trauma thoughts and thoughts of taking her life or envying the dead, as he puts it. Right, and that was a big you, thing. You, I mean, Niven, Nevin, excuse me, just goes from like zero to sixty. I'm like, don't you dare think that. Uh huh. Don't and envy you made the him dead. get off his couch. Yeah, and, and because the dragons are always talking about their way of life, it's like we just live life to the fullest. Man, what is that like? Yeah. And oh, Yolo. Envy. And yeah, right. The yellow dragons. Um, and he says, and, and that's what causes him to share this moment of serenity and peace and. She says, I think what's more poignant about she say going through again, some more trauma and bad headspace at the ending there is that she says his, his death was so, he felt such peace at that moment, implying that she say either doesn't or has never felt peace. Definitely. Yeah. Thus kind of alluding to the explanation of this is why she envied that to find that calm, that peace that she, would arguably has not experienced yeah, and, and envious of, yeah, yeah. And I will also say this is one of those I got to talk about. This is the first time I've rewatched this season since my dad passed away in 2021. Mm. And the way Nevin talks about death, he said, "No, I, I lived my life. There is no regret." Death does not frighten me. Those are the same words my dad used, almost to a T. Oh, wow. What, right? And when I say right before, I mean in the week between when he went to the hospital and when he passed away. So when you say you cried, uh-huh. I cried the first time I watched it because I'm like, oh, this is so bittersweet and beautiful. I cried for a whole nother reason because of the new way this resonated with me since the first several times I saw this episode years prior. So yeah. Oh, it, it, it punched me in the gut hard. I won't lie. I had to 
take a walk for about an hour after watching this episode. Yeah, this was like honestly, you know, not even having something nearly that uh, uh, recent to to resonate with me. Like compared to what the first episode did, like this show is is. I don't know if wholesome is the right word, but it is like for for as much as it is about like the baggage that these characters carry with them and and whatever's going on under the surface, like it is about their journey towards getting better. So so there's like would you say maybe hopeful? Yeah, this this is a show about so much hope and about like l- like seeing examples and and guidance. There there's just like a a there's a lot more positivity in this show than I was really expecting, especially starting with, uh, hey, I bought you, and now how about bride? You're going to be my bride, by the way, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just like, it's such a turn from what I was expecting from the title. Uh, Joe, Bob, any thoughts on this episode? Because that's really all that happens. Like, after that, she... Okay, the one other thing is... After the whole memory thing, she passes out because, as um, Lionel says, what's his name? Um, Lindell. Because he's named after the tree that actually grew out of uh, Nevin. Spoiler. Uh, okay, so what Mike, what Mike Lindell says is, um, uh-oh. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> yeah, going back to Echo now, right? Uh, like, because she's a slay bad guy. Uh, a soul bad guy. She, um, and, and because she is untrained, she has like a lot of energy, but she has no techniques for, uh, like pacing that energy out. Uh, and it's just like, yeah, no, if you don't teach her how to control it, she's going to burn herself out. Like she's not going to last three years to get through the training, I think is, is what he says. That, yeah, he says, if you don't take care of her, she will not live three years. Because Lindell spells out, like, slay Beggy, burn at both ends and the center. Mm-hmm. Because they cannot control. They, they like, inherent, it's implied and stated. They inherently, by their nature, cannot control the way their body absorbs and produces magic, essentially. Yeah. Which Every is... breath is actually very taxing to them. They don't even know it. Which is great because, like, he says it here, but that's only to really clarify the show having shown us this last episode with the crystal flowers. Mm. So, so that is a good, a good visual storytelling followed by text clarification. You know what else is interesting? Hmm. And I did, I think it occurred to me watching it, but not like as an active thought, just something I was aware of. No, no one, no one has still told Chisei this. Yeah, that's true. You'd think somebody would have, should have. Even, even, you know, Grandpa Mage. Uh huh. Well, she was sleepy you know, he's at the, one the that time. Wants to take the piss out of Elias. You'd think he'd enjoy, you know, just reading out the list of things he hasn't told. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, you know, no, nobody else has the rights to teach her anything because Alias is the one who bought her and thus owns her. I mean, that's mm. kind of why he got pissed off at Angie. Like, mm-hmm. How dare you try and teach her? It's like, Fool! <laughs> like, dog, how many apprentices have you gone through by now? Like, is it like going through pets as a dog? Did you live on a busy road for mages? <laughs> oh. There is more show to be watched, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, two seasons worth. For example. still ongoing. 
Um, for example, episode seven. But uh, again, Bob, Joe, anything to add about this episode? Not really. This is this is definitely the emotional punch episode. Yeah, I'm. I'm. It's. I can see why this was in your selection, and this really sold me on the show more than I think anything else we we saw. I actually figured that would be because it's. I gave us the three rule. And I was worried in the first two episodes, like, we really haven't done anything from when I was first watching this years and years ago. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is aesthetically beautiful, and I feel like it's trying to go somewhere. But I need it to commit. And episode three committed. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you did something. All right, let's go. Yeah, I was like, well, I know what day I'm watching this. Every day it comes out. Uh, and speaking of going, let's go to episode four, uh, by which I mean episode seven. Talk of the devil, and he is sure to appear. Is it? Hey, are all of these episode titles like? Um, yes. <laughs> yep. Idioms. I was waiting for you to ask. Okay, I just <laughs> put that together now. In in fact, um, point point of order to that. In the manga, and as the series goes on, you're gonna get that being part one and part two because that's how they were in the manga. Because you you only have so many idioms to borrow. Sure. And there's, uh, I will say this, to this point where the manga is caught up, they're still doing that. Cool. So how about that devil? Yeah. How about, uh, okay, so my notes just start with, okay, some drama shit. Uh, <laughs> to use, mm-hmm. uh, the, the bigger breakdown of the episode, uh, we basically, um, Yet a, an aside with some different mages who are having. Sorcerers. Okay, these are sorcerers. Okay, fine. Yes. Oh, right, because because they're going to be building chimeras. We'll learn. Um, have been building. That's a. Yeah. Okay. That's a. Okay. You know, what? I can kind of see why um alchemist uh-huh. was a, also a, a good translation option. Um, yeah, the English would catch that real quick. Yeah. Uh. Okay, so we, we get a sign about these alchemists, uh, getting into it. Somebody lost an arm. Uh, there's a lady who's another apprentice. So we have another master apprentice thing. And then someone who obviously seems like a bad guy, uh, given them the fourth degree, uh, which I guess is when you stop asking questions and start chopping off arms. Um, let's just say the cost of the relationship was an arm. Not yet a leg. Okay. Uh, that's, um, only after the third date. Uh, and then we come back to, uh, our main characters and they are, how many episodes later is this? Like another four episodes later and they're just getting to the third <laughs> task from the church. Would you believe that every episode between then and now was the second mission and did provide explanation to who you're dealing with, but arguably not in any one single episode. Oh, brief side note, because it isn't mentioned here. Elias does reveal why he bought Chisei. Oh, he does? What was that? Okay. Short version is he knows he's a sl- she's a slave baggie, and he is interested in what it would be like to have an unlimited source of magic, but at the same time, and he does essentially say this, at the same time, he is interested very much in not letting her die. He does not want her to die, and he, it is not because she would be an unlimited source of magic at his disposal. Hmm. 
again, this is again we're starting to see both characters take baby steps. This is Elias, sure. Um, but that was it. And as we hear, just to kind of steal a little bit from you, he has now since actually begun teaching her in earnest. Yes, we we see that we actually see that in such a great way because um, once we get back to our our folks at Elias's cabin, we see Chise doing some actual uh magic stuff and creating a potion and we meet my arguably better than Angie uh we meet the little mouse who is on fire who I named Bunsen because she's using him as a burner oh, that's perfect <laughs> this is now canon uh-huh um he's just so good uh and and we do get more of the um like her casting spells, which really is just like, hey, pretty please put magic in this. Thank you. Um, but going through also the recipes, the amounts. Yes. And uh, she's trying to, I like this. She's trying to create a potion to ward off nightmares, but she puts in too much magic. So it's just a straight up sleep potion. And I'm like, I'll take one of those. Yeah. Can I get seven? Can I get a, Yo, same. can I get a, like a 32 pack? It's basically the opposite of a Mountain Dew. <laughs> yeah. I, w- I will say what, w- how they determine it is just a sleep potion is perfect because this is how you meet the other Fey being that is always around and at one point around in mass. Ooh. The woolly bugs. Oh, is, it wasn't a Mareep? It wasn't, they, they <laughs> no, all are kind of Marip, Pokemon. I, yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. No, they are called woolly bugs. And point of fact, you do not shave their legs when you shear them. Huh. Or, you know, bad things happen. That, that is literally something that comes up later and is adorable. Awesome. Um, they are, they are perfect. But yes, yeah, so, uh, she's like, uh, or the Elias is like, uh, hey, put that on hold. We got to go do this last task, which is there has been a black dog, which is some, also some sort of fey thing that has taken up, uh, residence around a church and, a, uh, its graveyard and they need to go, you know, see if that's a problem. They don't know. Maybe it's hostile. Um, a church grave. A church yeah. grim? Yes. Yep, a grim with two M's. There you go. Um, the only reason I identified it is because of Harry Potter, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. That's not your fault. Um, But yeah, so they uh, go to this church, and there's a crowd around because there is uh, a police and a crowd, and a body is covered up, but we can see a little bit of an arm, and it's like, oh, this woman got like mauled and scratched up and all this. And you're like, Oh no, did the grim do this? Maybe it is hostile. Um, but, uh, Elias goes off to talk to, you know, whoever's in charge. And she say, uh, she say forces herself to not look at the body and to thereby not get into a steamroll of trauma flashbacks. Um, probably a, a sort of valid use of the term triggering, uh, in this case. And, uh, she runs off to explore the grounds and she wanders into the graveyard and meets, uh, okay. So first she meets this really nasty, uh, thing. Mm-hmm. Very it's, Japanese inspired looking. Yeah. It is a large goop bug wearing like a ceramic mask 
and it's asking her questions. And if she answers any of those questions, then she gets kidnapped by it. If she's lucky, that's all that happens. Which is very red toilet paper or blue toilet paper kind of demon. Um, and did she learn about what it is through studies? But she identified what it was right away, and she didn't even have it, to pull out her Pokédex. I would say it is implied by the fact this is the episode we and, and chapter where we learn that Elias has been in the time since she recovered from their previous mission, teaching her magic. Because when we see her at, back at the cottage, she's identifying some of the creatures around her. Right. So I, it is e- it is easy to infer that that is the result of this. Because one would hope Elias gave her the book of the dangerous ones first. <laughs> I I really want the like Gaiden slice of life version of the show where it is just all of the down parts where she's just sitting in the garden reading and talking to tiny Pokemon. And that's just the whole show. Oh, I would love that. Um, I'm sure there's like a separate visual novel about that anyway. Um, no, sorry. That's last week. So, uh, this thing is chasing her. It seems like, uh, it's got her dead to rights. And then suddenly she is saved by a pretty boy who sort of, yeah, dressed all in black with long black hair. And, you know, I'm already, uh, raising eyebrows because, uh, you know, everybody's got their favorite flavors and he destroys it by crushing its mask using the, um, armor shredding iron fist technique from the Hokuto no Ken. Uh, and really, yeah, it's something I thought it was shining finger cause his hand was open. It starts open and then he just crushes it and that's armor running. It's True, probably you like, correct. you know, similar. You correct, um, yeah, I'm, there's, if there's one thing I'm an expert on, it's, uh, ways can kills people. Uh, <laughs> not even true. Uh, and then like, She's like, oh, thank you. And then he immediately starts bleeding out everywhere. And she's like, oh, no, we got to heal your wounds. He's like, no. Hey, you remind me of Isabel. And then he turns into a dog who also is bleeding. And then she kind of just like, like, he looked like he's about to to go ham uh, in a rage. And she just hugs him until he passes out. Um, Wait, I'm missing something, aren't I? Um... Uh, not, I mean, there are, there are some things you have missed, but in this part, not really regarding what happens here, because uh, that's essentially it. She she tries. Uh, she is being watched, and at this point, Alice is there, right? And after essentially dog dog do a pass out, um, Alice shows up. Give me the dog. <laughs> yeah, Alice comes out with a fucking knife, and it's just like. Hey, give me the dog. <laughs> this is nothing personal. I don't want to hurt you. Surrender the dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then she says that's my favorite thing. It's I'll like say it. say it like the meme. She's she's like cowering and Alice is coming at her with a knife, and then she's all like, Yeah, pocket sleep, and throws a <laughs> vial of the accidental sleep potion in Alice's face, and she's just like, What the f sleep dead. Um <laughs> Just, it's so good. It's really good. Um, Even she says, like, oh, I guess that works real well. Yeah, yeah like, after the fact, she's like, oh, I could use that on humans. So why do you, did you just, she just throws thing as a as an instinct? 
Yeah, it's, it's not that she didn't know it could be used on humans. She says, oh, it's, it's really fast acting. Uh-huh. Could, maybe I keep this around a little bit. Yeah, she say maybe you keep this around a little bit. What if she had, like, a woolly bug in her hand? Would she have thrown that in Alice's face? I mean, it, okay, here's an assumption. I assume she probably scuffs her feet a lot and drags her heels, so she probably would build up enough uh. sack electricity to make that a thunderbolt. Oh, my God, just walking uh, tasers. Ooh, I like that, actually. <laughs> um... <laughs> the bug out, rubs it against her sweater, and throws it. Um, anyway, we cut to a little while later, uh, Dog Boy wakes back up, and, uh, I guess is a bit better from his wounds? I don't think they show him, like, bandage or anything. flashback. No, he wasn't, he wasn't. She put uh, some of the medicine on it. Right, that's what it was. Um, we did get Doggy Dream flashback. Yes, to his sister, Iris? No, his sister is Isabel. Isabel, that's it. Where we also see that he was he was never a real boy, he was a dog. So it's not that a boy became a dog, it's that a boy returned to its natural state of dog. Even though, like, then when he's explaining it later, he's like, no, I'm a human, I've always been a human, so... Yeah, he's a people dog. And, and she says, like, oh, you're one of those. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Oh, you're a furry, he's a, got he's it. a dog, he says... This well, no. This is actually the perfect depiction of a dog and how it dog sees itself. Yeah. Okay. I like that actually. Um. But yeah. So so like he wakes up and we get some backstory on uh him and his sister and his being a person and being a dog and whatever. It's fine. Uh, he's an Inukin. It's fine. And while they're talking, then Alice wakes up and starts to you know, restart the fight, but it turns out that Chisei has tied her up, which is very practical of her. I'm so proud of Chisei. Can um, I just share my notes? Say Alice wakes up not in chains. Mm, that's right, because it's ropes. Uh, yep. Thank you. Thank you. Doing God's work out you. here. Thank you for humoring me. Um, but then we get uh, sort of the backstory on Alice's motivations and what she's been up to, and uh, it's kind of what we were saying before about she feels guilty that her master got hurt trying to protect her. So she's trying to do this on her own to get the thing because the dog is the next ingredient that the little fancy boy evil man asked for. Uh, and as soon as she's done, um, like, info dumping about her deal... Uh, Elias comes out from the shadows and it's just like, ah, okay, thank you for spilling your whole plan. Um, and then just as we're getting into like, he starts asking these questions like, so who is this little fancy lad who is ordering you around and taking arms? And she's like, oh, I don't know. He's little. He looks like a fop, maybe between eight and 800 years old, depending. Um, and it seems like Elias is uh, starting to picture who it is. Uh, and just then uh, something shoots out of the forest and is going for Alice. But Chisei knocks her aside and takes the full brunt of a stabbing of uh, from a praying mantis arm, I guess. And, uh -huh. and everybody looks and it's just like, oh, and it's the little fancy lad himself has come. And it's just like, oh, that wasn't the one I was aiming for. And, Can we call him the Dapper Don? Uh, the the dandy doodler. I don't know. Um, 
he looks a little bit like the G witch from Mercury's girlfriend. I think that's who don't ruin that of. show for me now because <laughs> I can see it and you're not wrong and I hate that I a never saw it before and b realized on the spot you were right. It took me till just now, like I was like he looks like a different character, and just now I figured out who it was. So, um, so sorry. really, it's she looked like him. <laughs> I suppose so. Um, Child needs to get better style. But yeah, like he's doing his I'm the bad guy and I'm here now talk. But Elias is just sort of like cradling Chise and watching her bleed out all over him. Um, and then he just goes sicko mode and starts turning into some sort of amorphous titan of thorns. And it's badass. And remember what I was saying about everybody has their flavor? Let me tell you about my favorite flavor <laughs> of character going sicko after watching a loved one get hurt. Um, Go on. Let's, hey, let's guess why I like, like the this fl- series. I see. I see. Um, well, we don't really go on from there because that's where the episode ends. That's our cliffhanger for this time. Next time is when the shit hits the fan. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I can't call this Elias's natural form mm-hmm. because at some point we will see young Elias, young by comparison to time now. But this is definitely closer to it. Was he just like a, a regular piranha plant at that point? No, no, no. Okay. No. Um, <laughs> actually... His, what I would call his natural form, or probably as close as we've seen to date, is why a lot of, there's a lot of speculation in the fan community that maybe he's a Wendigo. Oh. I don't see that being the case. Oh, being like sort of ambiguous skull-headed, I feel like people would interpret it that Uh, way. Not that it's correct, but like I could see somebody trying to make that connection. Well, not only that, but at some point. Grandpa and grand granddaughter have a time to make things wood do word woodworking together. Ooh. Don't worry about what they're woodworking. And mentions that El- Elias had told him when they first met he he didn't really appreciate the taste of human. Okay, not that he wouldn't eat it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You thought Elias was only going this dark. Um. <laughs> yeah. Listen. Yeah, I mean, I'm with Joe. I'm like, eh, this is not the worst I've heard, but yeah. You put enough ketchup on and, you know, we'll, we'll talk. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, and I love that it's Alice that kind of takes over the narrative for a moment of like, I've heard stories about you. And there's almost like a possible read that she never realized this, it was Elias. Hmm. And now she is here seeing the literal stuff of nightmares as he just reveals closer to what he actually is naturally. Yeah. Also, I do love that this kind of goes to show the clothes aren't really clothes except Mm. for the bolo tie. Yeah. Everything it's, he's he's naked around you 24 seven, just like a Bayonetta. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I love, I love this. I love that, like, okay. It, because it's not even like, like, oh, like this long drawn out thing. It's not, no, no, no. I am mad he's, now. He's just angry. <laughs> yeah. You have, you have triggered one of the 
one of the like three emotions I have. <laughs> See what that looks like. <laughs> My literal gur face. Okay. Uh, let's bring it on into final thoughts and, uh, yeah, Bob, let's start with you. What's, what else do you still have pins in? Let's go. Let's do it. Let's uh, do it. Okay. So I know how my thoughts were at the beginning and how I founded that first episode. Uh, and it's be- all because of our good main character. And uh, it's really because I did not care for her too much at the beginning because I was didn't think the way that Chase was processing her uh, depression and sadness from my point of view was not on par with what I thought it should be. And then episode two, uh, she kind of becomes more of a character. It's like eh, everyone else I didn't have an issue with. Elias is great. Uh, Simon's fine. Dragon Daddy's okay. Oh my god. Bob, I gotta stop uh, you real quickly because a lot of people... I've never heard him refer to Dragon Daddy, but a <laughs> lot of certain people that are fans of this refer to Elias as Bone Daddy. Oh. Uh, episode episode three is where it starts turning around for me. And uh, for the audience to know, I accidentally watched two episodes of Not This, thinking I was watching episode one and two, and it kind of gives uh, Cheese a little more story, a little more background, um, where she goes to the forest library. Um, and it's not bad. It gives her a little more flesh out. It doesn't really do much with the point that I'm about to make. Where I realized for me, personally, upon reflection, the reason I did not like Cheese, and now I have to reconsider my thought, is she reminded me too much of myself. Mm. And how I process my own grief. I want to give you a hug, buddy. Oh, no, it's... It is what it is. No, uh, I know. And I get it. Having seen someone die myself, um, everyone processes it their own way, and I get where she's coming from. And because of that, it's like, well, crap. And you get invested, and then come episode seven, where it's like, oh, and by the way, cliffhanger, she's dead. I I may have broken a rule I set for myself and watched the first seven minutes of the next episode after that. Oh, <laughs> everybody, don't ever change. And then I had to stop myself. I'm like, no, not the rule. I just need to make sure she is still alive. <laughs> Do it. Do it. And it's com- it's completely frustrating because I was so not invested with her. I loved all of the other characters. And through the accidental episodes I watched, even Ruth is really great in the episodes I watched. Would you Knowing say he's, he's a good boy? He is. The two episodes, because it's set way past everything where you know all the characters, I assumed it was a person who could turn into a dog, not that it was a dog who turned into a person. So his mannerisms in that made more sense to me now. Uh, but, yes, I, I really like this show. I will probably keep watching it easily. I need to know about the cat people. I need to make sure Cheese is okay. And with the way you describe it and with the passion you describe it, I have to say that I'm sensing that these don't stay static characters. Absolutely not. That there is definable growth. In fact, without giving anything away, 
the relationship dynamic and the status quo is so radically different by the end. When that, we lived together yeah. and you watch this show, mm-hmm. I didn't give it any thought because my I had my point of view. I didn't watch it with you because I yeah. had a thought of this is how the show is going to be. It's not for me a, because it's anime. And at the time mm-hmm. I was not trying to. And B, I just assumed big, weird, bonehead guy is just this mean monster who has kidnapped this girl and now she's going through Stockholm Syndrome. Where in reality, it's almost in a weird way, still kind of Stockholm Syndrome, but mm. more that he saved her from herself. And he doesn't even realize it, which is probably the best part. I'm I'm making notes here. I I need to follow up with you on this show eventually. I need you I need you to like actually watch this at some point. And let me know when you do cuz I'm making some notes just for reasons. But yes, I genuinely like this show. I will continue watching it. <laughs> I will probably continue watching it tonight. At least to get <laughs> episodes four through six done. Yeah, you will. You will love Bob if you don't love the King of Cats and the Kate Seath by the end of it. I have. I don't know. I don't know what I'll do. I don't know. I don't know what I can do. The only thing that I am not the biggest fan of that I am going to probably get murdered here. Doubt it is. Uh, Oh, are you ready? The art. Do it. Really? And it's not the person, it's not the the, uh, people, not anything like that. But when they do, I consider it uh, when they do matte painting with two things moving in front of it, I don't care for that. Okay. This looks like someone put up a painting and put a couple of things on a string to float in front of it. I get that. Okay. And just to be a, a jerk, Axolotl is just okay. How fucking <laughs> dare you? Okay, I lied. I'm crucifying you. Come here. <laughs> I'm gonna throw. There are at you. Way, there Christ. are way better, like nice creatures than like Chunky Boy, who has to cover her up. How dare you, sir? We all know. We all know. Fire Mouse is better. Yeah, Bunsen, my boy. I never said Bunsen was bad. I just said I love the little axolotl boy, and I will fight for him. And if anyone says he's bad, I'll hurt them. I'm not saying bad. Okay. Just uh, it didn't do it. Eh. That that is for me the you know uh, was what about it the Miyazaki movie character? Totoro. The what? Oh, just all of them. That series, like my neighbor Totoro, or yeah. oh, Ghibli uh, films. We're, we're, thank you. Weird Moving House and, uh. <laughs> yeah, I love that movie, lady Weird Moving cat. House. A Woo's Moving House. <laughs> oh my god. We needed a season where but Bob it, just it, named it, movies. That, the salamander looks like it popped out of one of those and hopped into this universe to say, hey. He is precious, how dare you. What about the woolly bug? It's okay. Alright, fair. You're, you're And, and, and the magic, while I understand where you're coming from, if you get the opportunity to watch the Forest Library episodes, 
or if you haven't already, I highly advise it because uh, when the librarian, you know, magics the evening there, it is on point. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that was released, just as a point of note, released before the series as an interesting way to try and eye-catch people. And I'm normally not about the, like, spoiling the whole season before it even airs. It's still really good. You're, you're left without a lot of context, which kind of helps. Uh, but those are my thoughts. A deep show that actually shows a character reacting to grief and loss in maybe a way that would be a little extreme at first thinking, why would you sell yourself? But she's at a point in her life where she doesn't have anything left. And that's just how she feels. Nick, I need to know your thoughts because I essentially, I would assume Joe, I can take it on what we've said so far that I have a good read on what you feel about this. Oh yeah. Like I, I, like I said, I read a ton of the, the manga Um, and then I just never got around to watching the show, so thanks for giving me an excuse to finally get around to watch the show. I'm so happy I could do that for you. I really do. Especially checking something off of someone's, I, you know, watch list that are backlog makes me feel really good. But I'm really curious, Nick, about your thoughts. I'm a bit torn on it, I think. Okay. Um, like, like the sort of like first thing is, I am almost never interested in like the European fantasy kind of settings, like mm-hmm. fae and fairies and dragons. Just like, there's no rise out of me, good or bad. I'm just like, not for me. Uh, you're Irish. Yeah. So it's in my blood. I don't need any outside of my blood. I mean, fair. Um. All I need are the 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 toast. French made along the way, something like that. Uh, my friends uh, Heineken and Totes, Jimmy Beam and uh, Captain Morgan. Oh, these are beers. Oh uh, my god! <laughs> all right, good. Um, all right, now that everybody's caught up on the joke, I can move on. Um, there's a. The show is called The Magus's Bride. Correct. And I have to imagine that this show sort of proceeds towards, like, they do actually form some kind of bond where, whether it is, like, traditional romantic husband and wife or not, there is, like, a turning on or not a, like... Okay, hang on. Not, like, turning on, but, like... <laughs> they end up in like a mutual relationship with each other in in something deep, something like that. Okay, um, that's a you know, reasonable you assessment. Know, you know what else is big with this Fay contract? Contract. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what that that makes a lot of sense. Um, but like, and arguably, marriage is a contract. So. so yeah, it's, I've been to a Jewish yeah, wedding. I'm, I'm still think. thinking about it. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, like, he's basically sees this as transactional and, like, business. 
Sure, but but there's also yeah because we've seen it with the other characters that like basically the show is playing on the fact that even though that is how he is seeing it, there are other known connotations to you know the relationship of spouses and wives and all of that. So like it, it's it's not purely that like like. There's a version of the show where if you just skip, like, the first episode and half the dialogue of the second episode, you could have called the show, uh, you know, The Magus' Apprentice. And it is a very uh, magical creatures and how to eat them kind of show uh, where it is just like a magical creature mantra of the week and, and doing this. And it is about them sort of, like, traveling and she's learning and she's our, our you know audience stand in and we just sort of get this like you know meeting people and making friends and some of those friends are ghost dogs way of the samurais and you know um that joke's for me oh okay <laughs> oh, for you too. okay all right um and i think that would be a great show and it seems like this show is very much that show but it's not called the, the Magus's Apprentice. It's called the Magus's Bride, which means that that is going to, that is the foundation. You know, it, it is kind of the premise. It is the foundation at which it is built on. And I, even if it is ultimately kind of like this weird, like, oh, but we don't mean it that way. Then it's like, okay, but you still named it that to play on that thought. Like, you know, at that point, if you use that to reel people in and then say, oh, but it's not actually that, then that's a false bill of sale in itself. Like the the the, the fact that like I wish there was no hints of romance in the show is basically what it was. But the fact that it's called Bride is basically saying romance will be in the show. And again, going back to age discrepancy, going back to the fact that it starts with him buying his future wife, you know, that's some... Um, that's just like with Shmi in episode two, Attack of the Clones. Like she was bought and then freed and then married. And you're very lucky it is in that specific order because any other order in it would have been a very bad scene. Um, again, also a joke for me, I guess. Uh, no, no, I, I got it. But, but, but like, again, like the fact that you start with, you know, human trafficking, slavery, whatever, and immediately you have this, you know, foundation of bride romance. It's just like, oh, everything else that the show is going to bring to the table has to be in the context of the premise. And that sort of makes it hard for me to watch the rest of it because I'm I'm kind of like constantly tense of being like, oh, when is that gross shit going to come back, you know? Um, huh. But like, again, the characters we've been meeting dog boy like i don't know if his personality is going to be big for me but i love a dog boy especially one who is like a, a lingering ghost I, that's very much my flavor uh you know our our autism coded uh bone daddy who is going to go ham when somebody he cares about gets hurt that's very much my flavor i very much like when he goes into waka waka mode and he gets that chibi style skull i love that face uh -huh. is very good that's that's not his first form. <laughs> um, that's his pocket form. Uh, you oh, almost on the nose. All right, good. Uh, but yeah, like there is so much. It, it's to go back to a foundation metaphor. Like they they have this premise, this foundation that is something I am like at its core, sort of like upset by but then they built this really nice house on top of it and i'm like oh i'd like to hang out in that house like even when we look at 
Chise and what her arc is clearly going to be, which is someone like sort of processing and learning to live with PTSD and severe depression and learn like, like while like the monster of the week thing is all the magical creatures and like learning about them and, and meeting them, there is an overarching um, arc of her, you know, uh, finding reasons to live more or less. Right. Cause we start from this point where she does not see a difference between being alive and dead and a way to overcome that at the end of the series to overcome that conflict is like, yeah, you've met all these friends. You've built this found family, all of that. Great. Again, everything she is going to find is going to come is built on this foundation of, I bought you, you are basically being forced to be my apprentice. And also I guess my wife, even if I don't actually know everything that implies. And it is very like, so when we were talking about the age of consent before, like the fact that he's like, you will one day be my wife. I tried to give the nice, like, oh, he is waiting to wait for her to mature and actually be of a reasonable age for something like that. I don't think it's even necessarily that. The actual read I got from that is once you are like a developed enough mage and I have taught you enough that you can be more of a peer to me, then you will be ready to be my wife. And like, the thing is, like, I look at this guy and, like, every time I look at him, I just think, groomer. What if I told you? Mm-hmm. By the end of the first season. That is kind of, kind of in an extent of I don't want to give too many details. Kind of addressed. And when I say kind of, I mean, there is an, ex- I'm, I'm just gonna say, there's an explicit addressing of that. I mean, I'm going to say that's probably good, but the fact that we have it around for a whole season and it is still like so ingrained of the premise of the show, like if they didn't change the title of the show, then it is not addressed enough in, in my view, I guess. Uh, to help us get through final thoughts, I'm going to ask you, Chuck, a question that I saved myself from the beginning. Go on. Yeah, if it's the one you're talking about from earlier, go on. Yes. Uh, after having these conversations, would you have changed mm-hmm. the episodes that you picked? So I have been actively thinking about that. Because I, I arguably was already thinking about this in the own way of how I ended up selecting episodes, because this was not an easy process. If we didn't have this already scheduled for today, I probably could have easily taken another week still wrestling with what ones to show you because there are, there are few first seasons of shows that actually do a good job of just dealing with things they need to deal with and then getting it out of the way so the story can progress without rushing it, without hand waving it. They, that put in the effort. And get it done. And get it done well. This first season is one of those that does that. And it's arguably, I'm going to borrow some words here from actually watching one of the special features. Because I was desperate for the words and they summed it up right. This is a case study in humanity. This first season. And about evolving dynamics and relationships and 
what what is family? What is being part of another's life? And overcoming thing, overcoming depression, extreme depression, and isolation, and to- very toxic traits that one is completely unaware of because they've never had to deal with them. And I could have shown you, there was a part of this, I wanted to show you just like the last two, two episodes from the last half of the season that would have, I mean, arguably if you think the first episodes, first couple episodes are dark, let me tell you, there's, there's some treats in store for you. Um, and now, I, so to answer your question, I don't think I could have because of the fact that these do a good job of showing very early on, A, we are, we are starting from a dark place and it will not be an easy road, but life can improve. All right. So it sounds like we've all covered our final thoughts. Which means it's on to our next section of uh, all of the lists. We've got so, so many now. Right. How we do have a lot of lists? I I I need to know, Bob. I'm, honestly, this is the thing that actually mattered. I won't say most to me, but hi, I'm honest. Bob. What do you think about that intro? Really, this was high on your list. Yeah. Oh, uh, let's see here. Looking through the list. Are you ready? Oh. Uh, between the Desco and Trigun. Okay. If you have to I'm, look, I'm so it's between hurt. 15 and 16. I'm so hurt. I'm grievously wounded, Bob. Um, I'm sorry. I need song. a beat. It's fine. That, that had a beat. As it had a beat, kind of, if I needed to go to sleep as it... a child. <laughs> what? There was something very, I'm like... Both. 90s Latin dance hall about it. Right? Thank you! I was going to say, am I the only one that liked this? <sighs> no, I loved it. Thank- I think I think it's okay, a fun so song, but I think it really me. didn't fit. Yeah, yeah kind of, you know, I, I, can, I can see your point there. I feel that way about it, most anime openings. That too. But, but like, this one, like, there's a lot of anime openings, even on our list, that just evoke anime but this one specifically was just like oh i am like uh, uh it evoked nursery rhyme from baby bop or something oh i was i was thinking like it, it reminds oh. me of like the <laughs> the the guy playing the steel drum in the subway station back in the 90s yeah! and or the like uh you know a beach somewhere and yeah, you know was, wistfully was looking like, either caribbean or like maybe spanish guitar i mm-hmm. I, I would have to listen to it. I was waiting for someone to start saying baby Bob. bone daddy. Yeah. <laughs> do, 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 do. Not, nothing gonna, nothing that said like you? European magical creatures though. You, you uh, know, true. you're not wrong. And I I just I just loved it though, because it was so different. And because of the tempo and because of the energy it had. I man, it was a good If it helps you, there are let me check here, that's right. Yeah. Uh Nine worst songs. Yeah, but some people don't have taste, Bob. Stairs I will put it below the go. Don't think I won't. No, no, you made your choice. Dick, oh. 
we're not making the laugh though. <laughs> uh, and I think we can all agree about the android waifu runner-up. Okay. Bunsen. No, That's Sylvie. a Faye, not an android. And yes, Sylvie, Sylvie is Sylvie is not an android, but she <laughs> does everything without talking. Ooh. What if I told you she talks, just you're never going to hear it? You're not going to hear it. <laughs> if you hear it, it's bad. Yeah. For, I mean, literally, Bob, there's a reason. Uh, she's a spirit that... Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Joe. Isn't she kind of, like, adjacent, like, banshee adjacent? Yeah, she used to be a banshee. Now she's more of a brownie, um, yeah. which is, like, a, a, a house a spirit uh... that... It's oh, I actually know about brownies thanks to a book my sister read. They like <laughs> yeah, to they're... cook and clean, and they just uh-huh. do. Yeah, they're like they're bound to the homestead. And like Elias said, she's the landlord. Yeah, she just lives there. <laughs> Which she I... allows him to live there. I I actually I struggle with brownies. I'm sorry. I have opinions on brownies. So. Well, you can have them, but she's still adorable. And Oh, no, she's, she's absolutely sweet. It's just, there's no way to describe brownies in a positive light, in my opinion. Ooh. They're, they're, like, they're like the the people who build shoes for the shoemaker. Mm-hmm. Oh, you just leave it out and they'll take care I of mean, it for you. she did That's make cheesecake loaves. Everything she say so wears does, until later season two she makes. So does my wonderful Angie. Makes her cloak. Listen. Okay, how about horses? I, don't, I don't think there's a single horse. I can't even think of a single horse. Uh, you could call Elias a horse because he can become, you know, whatever that was. Yeah, but I don't think she's riding them. I mean, it is called the Magus's Bride. Thank you for taking that one for me. I was just going to keep my mouth shut. Uh, and then most flying pussyfoot. I Listen, can't think of a single one. This series she, isn't over yet. Listen, she does ride the dog. Oh, wait. Does she? Yes. She, oh, she, he literally I did transports wanna... her. And Elias. She rides Elias. I... Not in that way. I wanted to point out that when we say dog, I mean Irish wolfhound. Like, these yes. things are huge. Yeah, that thing is big. Yeah. yeah. He is shy dire wolf. <laughs> he is he is as dire wolf as you're going to find right now. I mean, yeah, he, he a big boy. He is not to be trifled with. Oh, he's he's such a good boy. Trifle, trifle, trifle. I had a friend who had an Irish wolfhound. He was so adorable. Aww. But yeah, Silver Lady. Silver, the, if I had shown you the, the fake court, as it were, when uh, Titania and um, Oberon right. showed up, they essentially have their man-at-arms with them. And he... Did he wear orange and green? No, no, he's actually like a little... I keep wanting to say Stone Troll, and I can't actually remember what he is anymore. Um, and he's not he, mad at arm. He, he hates... Haha. He hates Elias. Uh, it, it's kind of like a racial thing, almost. Because, uh, again, I'm not sure if Elias has a race. Um, I don't... It's like, we don't know what Elias actually is. He's just an Elias. But Silver loves him. And he he loves her. And it's adorable. 
Elias or the bodyguard? Aww. The the little bodyguard. Silver okay. loves the little bodyguard. And like he he is the gruffest little like two foot tall guy. Just very stoic, very kind of emotionless, except around Elias. Very put off by doing everything. Because if it's not for the, the you know king and queen of the Fae, you're not worth his time. Except that he he and Silver have a backstory which is explored in this season, and it is precious. And they are perfect. So as I say, Silver is great because everyone loves Silver. And also, everyone can kind of be afraid of Silver. Silver's the the silky, right? Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah, I think the, the only thing left is to pick out uh, what we will be watching next time. And all three left in this category are my picks. This is going to be fun for me because I don't think I've seen these. Someone yeah, else is going to have to read the things though because I don't mm. have it in front of me. I will do that. I since this is new for me, I get to do the thing. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh. Say go Nana. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Gel Nana. Um. So Bob, your options are. Area man ex- uh, accepts burden of being only person who understands how world actually works in parentheses. It's little ghost bugs or living well is the best revenge. But what if also revenge in space or well, 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 if it isn't the murderous consequences of my own actions. <laughs> These are good taglines. I actually, yeah, I actually feel like the last one. Well, well, well. Oh, it man, is the consequence of my own actions. Interesting. Bob, we're we're going to Netflix, Bob, because we're going to be watching Monster. Yeah, we got a shift tone. <laughs> yeah, we're going home. for a tone shift, rather. Yeah, uh, this Magus Bride was clearly the dark show. And it's funny because one of these other ones actually is very similar to Mage's Bride now that I'm mm-hmm. thinking about it. Same. Um, yeah, we'll have to save that. Fantastic. Uh, well, with that to look forward to, uh, I want to thank everybody for joining us once again. And uh, until next time, uh, don't. You can do it. You can do it. Uh, Respect your neighbors. Don't eat anything from the Fey Realm. Don't tell them your name and don't sign any contract. Pet the dog. Respect the age of consent. Deep in the Weebs is a show by Chuck, Nick, Joe, and Bob. Our theme music is Kawaii Friends by C. Cotty 3. You can find our show on YouTube or subscribe to the audio only version on iTunes or wherever podcasts are served. Oh.
oh, we could have had a horse. (laughs) (laughs) That's your fault, then. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I didn't even think of that. I could have shown you the postman. (laughs) Oh, boy, that is a silly name. He, no, he's a postman. He's a magic postmaster. Oh, how good. A magic postman horse that we didn't see. He's not a horse. He's a, a centaur. And a lap. <laughs> I could oh have God. done that.
oh, I, we could have had a horse. <laughs> That's your so fault, she, then. <laughs> yeah, I know. I didn't even think of that. I could have shown you the postman. <laughs> oh, boy. That is a silly name. He, no, he's a postman. He's a magic postmaster. Oh, how good. A magic postman horse that we didn't see. He's not a horse. He's a centaur. <laughs> I could oh have goodness. done that. 